Good evening, everyone. The December 18th, 2023 Loudoun County Planning Commission public hearing will now come to order. Uh, as is our custom, please let us stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. For those of you who don't join us on a regular basis, we'll go ahead and give you an idea of the procedure and process uh, ahead of us this evening. Members of the public who wish to comment on any item of the agenda may do so. If you are in the boardroom, please fill out a speaker slip and hand it to the Assistant Deputy Clerk of the Planning Commission at the end of the dais to my left. If you're participating electronically, please call the number on the bottom of your screen. If you signed up to speak after 3.30 p.m. today, please confirm your name is on the speaker list as public comment. Sign up closes after 12 noon as indicated on our website. Indicate your name and the agenda item you wish to address. Each speaker will have three minutes. You will have six minutes if you're speaking on behalf of an official civic organization. Written comments may be submitted to the Assistant Deputy Clerk who will make copies for the Planning Commission. The Commission may vote on applications tonight and send its recommendation to the Board of Supervisors or may forward the item to a work session for further consideration before taking a final vote. Our procedures for public hearings are as follows. Staff presentation followed by Commissioner's questions to staff. Each Commissioner will be given three minutes to ask questions of staff and we will limit the round of Commission questions to one round. Applicant presentation limited, is limited to 10 minutes. The Commission may ask for questions of the applicant. The hearing will be open for public comment. After everyone has had a chance to speak, the hearing will be closed. Applicant and staff will have an opportunity to provide any responses to public comment. Finally, there will be a motion, deliberation, and a vote by the commission. Uh, my fellow commissioners, we have um, November 28, 2023 minutes to review and adopt. Do I have a motion? Madam Chair, I move that the Planning Commission approve the Loudoun County Planning Commission public hearing minutes for November 28, 2023 as presented. Second. Motion is made by Vice Chair Combs, seconded by Commissioner Merrithew. Any changes or comments to the minutes? Seeing none, all those in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? The motion carries 801 with Mr. Hayes absent. All right, I know we were just here two business days ago, so we may not have a lot, but we do want to allow for disclosures before we get into our legislative items. Anybody on the commission have disclosures to make? No? Or do you? All right, Vice Chair Combs. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. On December 14, uh, I had a meeting with Commissioner Miller, uh, Tony Calabrese, and several applicant representatives um, regarding the Innovation Gateway. Uh, rezoning application and then today I had a uh, video conference with uh, Colleen Gillis, uh, Tim Rowe, Angela Rassus and Dave McElhaney um, regarding the Arcola Farms residential rezoning. That's it. Okay. All right we're gonna go right into our legislative items for the evening and our public hearing um, just for administrative purposes, we are going to handle all of the AFDs at one time. Have those presentations. So, Rachel, if you'll join us for that, and 
We're going to do one through four all at once here. Uh, good evening, Chair Frank and Commissioners. Tonight I bring you the review and renewal, modification, or termination of four agricultural and forestal districts, New Bluemont, New Catoctin North, New Catoctin South, and New Ebenezer. Procedures for review of districts falls under Section 1524311 of the Agricultural and Forestal Districts Act of the Code of Virginia and Chapter 1226.03 of the Codified Ordinances of Loudoun County. Districts may extend from four to 10 years in duration. County code requires that renewal applications for parcels between five and 20 acres be submitted by landowners with other sized parcels uh, considered to be passive renewals. Landowners may submit notice of by right withdrawal uh, during review and district review and renewal. Um, the new Bluemont district is located generally west and south of the town of Round Hill. It currently contains 76 parcels and over 2,200 acres with a four-year period that expires on June 1st, 2024. And all four districts tonight have that same expiration date. Uh, all parcel all landowners complied with the renewal requirements and are eligible for renewal. The new Catoctin North, North District is located between the town of Lovettsville on the west and Route 15 on the east, and generally north of Lovettsville Road. It consists of 22 parcels and 767 acres, and all landowners and parcels are eligible for renewal. New Catoctin South District currently has 188 parcels and more than 4,000 acres. It's located generally northwest of the town of Leesburg um, and between Berlin Turnpike on the west and Route 15 on the east. Um, the landowners for 180 parcels with 3,955 acres um, submitted or have their parcels eligible for renewal. One landowner submitted notice of withdrawal for their parcel, and the landowners of seven parcels um, did not submit the required applications, and those parcels are considered ineligible for renewal. Finally, the new Ebenezer Ag and Forestal District is located south of Snickersville Turnpike and east of Blue Ridge Mountain Road. Currently has 45 parcels and 1,637 acres. Um, 42 parcels are eligible for renewal. The landowners of three parcels did not submit required applications, and those parcels are in ineligible for renewal. Uh, 
Most parcels um, in the four districts are also enrolled in the land use assessment program as shown in the table in front of you. Um, most of the parcels fall under open space, including those with permanent open space easements or under agriculture. Uh, the new Bluemont district has generally twice as many parcels qualifying under agriculture than open space, while those um, in New Catoctin South and New Ebenezer um, f flip that um, situation. And the New Catoctin North District is more balanced between open space and agriculture. Um, and this difference generally reflects that there are longer, larger parcels um, in western Loudoun County. The Agricultural District Advisory Committee meeting on November 6th um, recommends renewal of all four parcels with a four-year period. Um, they inquired as to the reason for the application requirement that staff presented that answer to them. Um, the AGDEC then further recommended that the Board of Supervisors consider amending the county code to eliminate the application requirement for those parcels from five to 20 acres. Um, such a change would require um, the board's direction to staff to bring something back and it would require public hearings. Staff is recommending renewal of all four districts for a four year period as shown in the table in front of you um, and as contained in the four staff reports. Con that can, um, finishes my presentation. Wonderful. Do we have any questions, comments from the commission? Ask all. Okay. All right. Seeing as we don't have an applicant, we'll go ahead and move into our public hearing. Open the public hearing on item one, uh, two, one, two, three, and four, A Legi 2023 0017-0018-0020. And 0019, I skipped one. Okay, there we go. Um, do we have anyone here? No one has signed up in advance. Do we have anyone here in the room who'd like to speak on these items? Okay, seeing none. Do we have anyone joining us online to speak on these items? We have no one online. Okay, thank you. Uh, last call. With that, we will close the public hearing on the first four agenda items. Do we have a motion? We're kind of all over the place, huh, folks. Do we need four separate motions? It's your last yeah. meeting. All right, we need all. Can it's your we, last meetings. You can do it. Can we, we do it all at once? <laughs> want we do, do it all at once? All right, Mr. Vance. You want, you want, you yeah. want them? Sure. All right. Yeah. Okay. It's all you. Take now, a deep breath. I can just, I can just uh, speak to each one in one motion? You can. Oh. Right? Right. We can do one, or do we need to do four separate motions? Four separate motions. Okay. We have to make a motion for each application. All right. Go ahead. Four separate. Yep. Okay. The whole deal. All you right. can't be that efficient. <laughs> okay. I move that the Planning Commission recommend to the Board of Supervisors that it renew the new Bluemont Agricultural and Forestal District to include only those parcels listed as number one through 76 in attachment one entitled New Bluemont AFD proposed renewal recommendations December 18, 2023 to the December 18, 2023 Planning Commission public hearing staff report 
with the same period before the next review of the new, new Bluemont AFD of four years and to continue to require any subdivisions or adjustments to parcels enrolled in the new Bluemont AFD to meet the current zoning ordinance requirements or a minimum of 20 acres, whichever is greater, and prohibit subdivision through clustering. And I further move that the Planning Commission's recommendations be based on the finding that all parcels recommended for renewal within the new Bluemont Agricultural and Forestal District contain agriculturally and forestally significant land. Second. Second. The motion is made by Commissioner Vance, seconded by Vice Chair Combs. Do you have an opening? Uh, no, I don't. Okay. All right. Any other comments or questions? We have a motion on the floor. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 801. Mr. Hayes is absent. All right. And, motion two. And, um, oh, oh, and Jam, sorry. Oh. So we carried 702 because Commissioner Kirchner has also stepped away. So I'll do the next two because they're both in good talk okay. and I'll let right. Roger finish it off. Okay. Commissioner Miller. Uh, I move the Planning Commission recommend to the Board of Supervisors that it renew the new New Catoctin North Agricultural and Forestal District to include only those parcels listed as numbers 1 through 22 in attachment 1 entitled New Catoctin North AFD proposed renewal recommendations December 18th, 2023 to the December 18th, 2023 Planning Commission Public Hearing Staff Report with the same period before the next review of the New Catoctin North AFD of four years and to continue to require any subdivisions or adjustments to parcels enrolled in the New Catoctin North AFD. AFD to meet the current zoning ordinance requirements or a minimum of 20 acres, whichever is greater, and prohibit subdivision through clustering. And I further move the Planning Commission recommendation be based on the finding that all parcels recommended for renewal within the New Catoctin North Agricultural and Forestal District contain agriculturally and forestally significant land. Second. Motion made by Commissioner Miller, seconded by Commissioner Merrithew. Do you have an opening? I do not. Okay. Any comments, questions? All right, do we have a motion on the floor? All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 8-0-1. Commissioner Kirchner has rejoined us and Commissioner Hayes is still absent. Next motion, Mr. Miller. I move the Planning Commission recommend to the Board of Supervisors that it renew the new Catoctin South Agricultural and Forestal District to include only those parcels listed as numbers 1 through 180 in Attachment 1 entitled New Catoctin South AFD Proposed Renewal Recommendations, December 18th, 2023 to the December 18th, 2023 Planning Commission Public Hearing Staff Report with the same period before the next review of the New Catoctin South AFD of four years and to continue to require any subdivisions or adjustments to parcels enrolled in the New Catoctin South AFD to meet the current zoning ordinance requirements or a minimum of 20 acres, whichever is greater, and prohibit subdivision through clustering. And I further move that the Planning Commission's recommendations be based on the finding that all parcels recommended for renewal within the New Catoctin South Agricultural and Forestal District contain agriculturally and forestally significant land. Second. Second. All right. Motion made by Commissioner Miller, seconded by Vice Chair Combs. An opening? None. Oh. All right. Any comments or questions? Seeing none, all in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries 801. We are in Blue Ridge. So, Commissioner Vance, one more. <laughs> I move that the Planning Commission recommend to the Board of Supervisors that it renew the new Ebenezer Agricultural and Forestal District to include only those parcels listed as number one through 42 in attachment one entitled New Ebenezer AFD Proposed Renewal Recommendations December 18, 2023 to the December 18, 2023 Planning Commission Public Hearing Staff Report 
with the same period before the next review of the new Ebenezer AFD of four years and to continue to require any subdivisions or adjustments to parcels enrolled in the new Ebenezer AFD to meet the current zoning ordinance requirements or a minimum of 50 acres, whichever is greater, and prohibit subdivision through clustering. And I further move that the Planning Commission's recommendations be based on the finding that all parcels recommended for renewal within the new Ebenezer Agricultural and Forestal District contain agriculturally and forestally significant land. Second. Second. Motion is made by Commissioner Vance, seconded by Vice Chair Combs. Do you have an opening? No. Okay. Questions or comments? None? All right. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 801. Thank you so much, Rachel. Have a wonderful holiday. Hopefully, you're taking some time off. Happy New Year. <laughs> we'll see you next year. All right, item number five on our agenda, Legi 2023-0055, Wishing Star Substation. We'll have Marshall join us for this one. <clears throat> we are ready whenever you are. Okay. Good evening, Commissioners. Uh, my name is Marshall Brown. I'm with the Department of Planning and Zoning, and I'm here to present the applications for Wishing Star Substation. I want to note that the uh, staff, that staff and the applicant have come to a tentative agreement on a few of the outstanding issues which are outlined in the staff report, and I'll provide an update to the Commission during my presentation. The subject property is located south of Arcola Mills Drive and north of Briarfield Lane along the future alignment of North Star Boulevard. The site is zoned Plan Development Industrial Park, or PDIP. It is located in the suburban neighborhood place type and is in the current Blue Ridge Election District and future Little River Election District. The applicants are proposing to construct two utility substations on the subject property, one for transmission and one for distribution via the following applications. A zoning concept plan amendment uh, to amend the proffers approved with ZMAP 2018-0015, JK Technology Park Number 1. This is to allow the utility substation use and to eliminate the phasing and infrastructure commitments associated with those approved proffers. Two special exceptions. One is to allow the utility substation transmission use in the PDIP zoning district and to allow that use within moderately steep slope areas. Two commission permits, one each for the transmission substation and distribution substation. And the applicant is also requesting a minor special exception for the elimination of certain portions of landscape buffers between substation uses and within the transmission corridor. As a reminder, the commission does not provide a recommendation on the uh, SPMI application to the board, which proceeds directly to the board for consideration. This is a view of the specs plat, which I've annotated. I'll walk you through some of this. The future North Star Boulevard alignment is towards the bottom of the screen, uh, which is really north-south. Um, the proposed Broad Run Trail area is shown along the northern property line, which is to the right in green. The north fork of the Broad Run makes up the northern property line. 
the future utility substation, transmission substation is in the roughly the center of the uh, subject property. There is an enhanced landscape buffer which is associated with the minor, minor special exception conditions, which I've uh, highlighted in red. The future utility substation uh, distribution substation is outlined in blue. That is not part of the specs permit, but there is a commission permit for that application. And the portion of the subject property which is subject to the ZCPA request is highlighted in orange. Uh, I'd like to touch on the ZCPA request. Um, the ZCPA request removes certain approved proffers from JK Technology Park, primarily the phasing of development which is dependent upon the completion of North Star Boulevard and its opening to traffic, provision of right-of-way for North Star Boulevard, obligations of the JK Technology Park Property Owners Association as well as obligations for the stormwater management pond associated with North Star Boulevard's construction. Um, I want to note that North Star Boulevard is currently under construction with an anticipated substantial completion date in 2025. As such, the site has no legal, current legal access via public right-of-way. The site will also require turn lanes at the entrance as the road is classified as an arterial in the 2019 countywide transportation plan. And although the applicant is removing, requesting to remove the proper restricting operation of uses on the site contingent on North Star Boulevard being constructed and open to traffic, as public road access to the site is required, staff has added conditions of approval requiring access to be provided either by right-of-way once North Star Boulevard is open to traffic or by a joint access agreement acceptable to the county for access through the county's act active construction zone. The conditions also require additional dedication of right-of-way to accommodate turn lanes, the future permanent entrance, and reconstruction and realignment of a portion of the Shergis path that will be altered by the construction of the permanent site entrance. These uh, issues were previously identified as outstanding issues in the staff report, but additional discussions with the applicant team and conditions language have resolved these issues. Um, to go through some of these areas, these, the top image shows the North Star Boulevard alignment in conjunction with uh, the property. The larger portion of the purple uh, shaded area is right-of-way that is to be dedicated. Um, the applicant has signed and provided all the necessary documents for that right-of-way dedication. The documents have been sent out for signatures and are awaiting county and VDOT signatures, so nothing further is required of the applicant at this point in time. Uh, otherwise, additional right-of-way, which is highlighted in purple, is to be dedicated via the conditions. The 2019 countywide transportation plan identifies two future alignments for regional trails on the subject property. One is the Broad Run Regional Trail, which is shown in green, and the Dominion Power Regional Trail, which is shown in pink. The Dominion Power Regional Trail's alignment is along the transmission line corridor. The applicant has agreed to accommodate the, an alignment for the Broad Run Regional Trail, which is ensured in the conditions. The applicant has not agreed to accommodate a future alignment for the Dominion Power Regional Trail. Staff is recommending that the applicant provide that accommodation for the CTP facility. Uh, this is the last of the remaining outstanding issues, which has been identified by staff. Staff has analyzed the commission permit request based on the criteria set forth for such review, <coughs> review of such applications, and staff does find that the location, the character, and the extent of the commission permit applications is consistent with criteria. 
So staff can support approval of the commission permit applications as they are uh, consistent with 2019 GP and zoning ordinance criteria. Staff could support approval of the remaining applications if the outstanding issue regarding the Dominion Energy Regional Trail is resolved. I'm happy to take any questions. Any questions for staff? Commissioner Kersher. <laughs> How did you know? Well, your light's on. <laughs> I, I'm not a mind reader. <laughs> Um, so I guess my question is right now they're uh, agreed to 80% uh, Virginia native species are sort of our normal um, request and since this is not a residential development um, why didn't we ask them to go with 100% the 80% native species is uh, upon recommendation of NRT that's been the template that has been approved moving forward okay I'll ask the, the um, applicant. I guess I'll wait until after they speak about that a little bit. And then I want to understand underneath the um, Dominion Trail, the power lines, um, we had the, the map that had the, the two pink lines. Maybe you get that back up again. So what's un what is happening underneath there in terms of landscaping or um, meadows or native plants or whatever so nothing in particular is planned within the subject property area that's highlighted there so it's not the entire corridor but it's really just the area in in between where the subject property is shown um, part of that area is where the minor special exception is requesting to eliminate one of the buffers and that's because it's in the transmission right. corridor um, but in terms of there being a meadow for pollinator plantings or anything like that, that has not been discussed. Okay, I just, because the reason I'm asking that is there's, and I'm sure the folks from Dominion are probably familiar with this, like nationwide, uh, underneath power lines, there's a, a programs where they do put in meadows and put in native plants because it really helps with the habitat and it's really a, a great kind of a mixture of, you've got the power lines, they're overhead, and you're able to put in, um, like I said, you know, meadow-type native plantings that really help with habitat. And so I was wondering if, if that was something that was discussed or that they're already doing. But again, I can ask the applicant when it comes up with them. Thank you. Okay. Any other questions for staff? Commissioner Marathia. Just to clarify, staff is, um, the, the access issue has gone away as far as staff's concerned. Is that through proffer or condition of approval? Through a condition of approval. So it's, it's conditioned either on North Star Boulevard being open to traffic, uh, completed and open to traffic, or through a joint development agreement that is in a... When it's uh, open to traffic, is staff still expecting a uh, turn lanes? Yes, the turn lanes, um, the turn lanes are conditioned to be in place prior to that. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Uh, Commissioner Vance. Uh, yes. So uh, the Broad Run and well, the Dominion Energy Regional Trail. So that is left still to be resolved, the issues around that? That's correct. And, and what is it the staff is seeking? So the 2019 CTP identifies that transmission corridor for a future regional trail. And uh, as a matter of this application, we would expect something along the lines of the Broad Run Regional Trail for the Dominion Power Regional Trail. So a combination of an alignment through the property to you know, accommodate that portion of the regional trail. Okay, and, and in what form would that, would that come? I mean, what would? 
I would expect it to be similar to what they have um, agreed to in the condition for the Broad Run Regional okay. Trail. All right. Okay. Thank you. Commissioner Marathio. Yeah. So uh, that, did I understand there are other sections of the trail that have already been dedicated or eased on other parts of the power, along the power line corridor? I would have to defer to DTCI on comment on that. I'm sorry. I do have um, Lindsay Marford online as well as Marie Fame in the room. <laughs> Is this the first of, or is this is this corridor already sort of underway in terms of acquisition? <clears throat> Lindsay, are you on? Hi, I am. Oh, okay. Sorry, I was just look, checking to see if I had any other information. Um, I don't at the moment. We will need to look into that one and, and get back. Okay. Uh, I did have one question, Marshall. This is probably more of a proper management kind of thing, but um, the change to the JK, the original JK proffers, we're taking about 300,000 square feet out of development from that project with this parcel being integrated into Dominion's parcel. Is there any other impacts on proffers or phasing or anything? I mean, is, if, were there triggers that we're now less likely to meet or going to meet later in that project? I would have to dig through the rest of the JK proffers to give you a definitive answer. Um, at least for the ZCPA, they are targeting four specific proffers for elimination. Other, otherwise, the rest of them stand. I can go back and take a look for any triggers, but I imagine if it didn't come up in our review, uh, okay. there was no impact. Okay. I just want to be sure before we, <laughs> we start making exceptions to things. Okay. All right. Um, I think we're good then for staff. Everybody? All right. We will take the applicant presentation, please. Thank you, Chair Frank, members of the commission. My name is Sherry Aiken. I'm a senior land use planner with the law firm of McGuire Woods, and it's a pleasure to be here this evening on behalf of Dominion. With me tonight, I have Greg Dodds, the project manager with Dominion, as well as Jack Story, project engineer with Dewberry. And Marshall has kindly put up my slides, so uh, if you could switch to the next one, Marshall. The need for Wishing Star substation is great. Um, it will serve as a critical component in Dominion's reliability uh, plan. Um, as you know, Dominion is required to evaluate its system on a routine basis to ensure compliance with regulatory standards, which keep the transmission grids running, um, as well as anticipate future power needs for the area. In evaluating local forecasts for Eastern Loudoun, um, it did come out that they needed additional sources to include additional 500 and 230 kV infrastructure and the Wishing Star substation will be a part of that comprehensive solution to resolving the infrastructure needs in this area and provide future um, growth for the area. Next slide. Marshall went over the location, um, but I think it's worth going over again just from a broader perspective. Um, you can see the Wishing Star application area outlined in blue. Um, in yellow is the existing Dominion 250-foot transmission line corridor. Immediately to the north of the site is the existing uh, Brambleton substation. 
And then future North Star Boulevard, you can see in black, that runs through the property. Um, and as Marshall explained, right-of-way dedications uh, within Dominion's property is in the works um, for that dedication to be completed for the roadway. Um, it is important to note, east of future North Star, there's going to be, uh, there's already approved 3 million square feet of data center uses through two different rezonings, the JK Technology Park rezoning, which um, is what Commissioner Frank spoke of and those proffers, um, and that, as well as Brambleton South, which is a little further uh, east. Then uh, wrapping around on the other side of the transmission line quarter is the Willisford community um, located west and northwest of the uh, existing transmission line. Next slide. And then Marshall did go through the legislative applications and we do have an alphabet soup of applications to go through. Um, Dominion's special exception for the Wishing Star substation is shown in blue. That is a transmission line um, facility within the PDIP and therefore needs a special exception application. Uh, the second special exception is there's small areas of steep slope, moderately steep slopes within um, the substation area shown in brown there at the corner and a little bit uh, two other locations within the limits of disturbance. There are two different commission permits, one for Dominion's Wishing Star, as well as Novak's um, distribution substation, which is by right in PDIP, but they do need a commission permit. Since we're in the process, they're slightly behind Dominion in timing. Um, we're going ahead and process their commission permit to join um, the, can join the process. Also, Dominion for timing is also going to be preparing this site for Novak. They're doing all the grading, site infrastructure, providing that stormwater management pond. So the benefits to that is there's not going to be two um, construction processes or anything that could potentially impact North Star coming in as well. Then the minor special exception we definitely need to talk about because there's some clarifications. And Chair Frank, I do need to apologize because I definitely steered you wrong as well because of these inconsistencies that we have. Um, and that's related to the minor special exception requests underneath the transmission line corridor. You can see I did put them in green where a type C buffer would be required. We're not requesting a total elimination. After we met with you on Thursday, I was like, I knew something wasn't right, but there's just inconsistent language um, in, on the plat and the pros, uh, staff report that threw me off a little bit. But we are providing 25 feet of landscaping in that area, but we are requesting a modification to where we don't have to plant, because it's underneath the transmission line, the trees. Um, but we are going to meet all the plant uh, requirements through native grasses and, and perennials uh, that will get upwards of five feet. So there is going to be buffering in there. And we spoke about um, whatever could be done in that area, because when you first thought there nothing was going to be there, just to try to mitigate views of the retaining wall and substation wall. But I think because this is kind of an isolated area underneath a transmission line with mini minimal views, um, I think that 20-foot landscape buffers will be adequate to just provide that mitigation in, this, in these specific areas. 
The other minor special exception is shown in the dotted red in between Novex Station and Dominion's uh, substation in blue. Um, we are requesting an entire elimination of that buffer in there because it just doesn't make sense. Um, we, at 25 feet, we're just consolidating and uh, making the footprint for both substations smaller. Plantings in between two substations really don't do any good in terms of mitigation value, and then just maintenance of landscaping in between sub two substations will be difficult, and survivability really is um, questionable. Then the last, next slide please. Oh, yeah, next slide please. The last application, nope, sorry, back one, my bad. The ZCPA request uh, is for that proffered area from the JK uh, rezoning. That's shown in orange. On their development plan, I also have a uh, insert on the upper left-hand side that sh their concept plan was very basic. It provided for, I think, 337 square feet um, of office or data center uses. Um, it provided a building envelope and setbacks. Um, and we are meeting everything uh, that was required on the concept plan, um, but Dominion's benefit is greater in that there's gonna be very little development. Instead, the majority of this property is gonna be tree safe, shown in green, um, and a little portion of the Novak substation shown in yellow that crosses into it. Then I'll go ahead a little bit on the same slide talking about what is around the property. The areas around the perimeter are actually tree conservation areas that we are proposing. Um, then along North Star Boulevard, you can kind of see that in dark green, we are proposing the full 20-foot uh, Type-C road corridor buffer. Um, Dominion is providing the stormwater management pond, as I mentioned, for North Star or that section of North Star, the Novex substation, as well as the Dominion site. And um, there will be fencing around and wall, a combination of fencing and walls around both substations. Um, the 20 foot architectural wall will be around the areas to the west and north areas where there really will be no visibility because they're on the other side of the, the only views will be the tree conservation areas. Um, there is a 20 foot uh, fence, security fence, and then Novex has the 12 foot uh, security fence, but we are required to have 95% opacity with uh, the development conditions. Then as far as um, equipment itself within the Wishing Star substation, everything is, it's gonna have a lower profile than what exists today. There are two lattice towers that are located within the transmission line corridor where you can see a portion of the substation going into. Uh, Dominion is taking those lattice towers down. They are replacing them. Uh, they're about 121 feet. They are replacing them with uh, lower um, more streamlined towers, if you will, that are at about 115 feet. Um, the site grading is also gonna take that down a little bit more, so what is going, the end result is just gonna be, um, the grading is gonna take about eight to 10 feet, 
down, um, maybe eight. So it's just going to add to a lower equipment profile within the substation area, within the transmission line corridor. There will be another taller, another backbone structure out, just outside of the corridor, uh, about the same heights. And then otherwise, the equipment within the substation is just the low pro lower profile uh, equipment with uh, minimal visibility. And then it is worth pointing out with combination of the proposed landscaping and the tree save areas, we are greatly exceeding zoning ordinance requirements for tree save, um, which require 10%. Um, we are, we have about 10 acres of tree conservation alone. Then with the proposed tree save, I'm sorry, the uh, landscape buffers were up to almost a little over 11 acres. Uh, of tree canopy, which um, is well above the 10% requirement. I think we're at about 40%. So next slide, please. Here's an just an overview rendering of the substation. You can see the 250-foot corridor, the tree save areas around the substations. Um, I forgot to mention there is an enhanced 35-foot buffer that is on the western side of the substation. Um, that's about five, little over 500 feet long, but it's gonna have additional plantings and be wider than what's required by the zoning ordinance. You can see North Star Boulevard and the uh, road corridor buffer that's being provided. Um, and if you squint, you can see the lattice towers on the southern portion of the right-of-way uh, to the right of the screen. Those are what exists today, but then you could have a little better view of the um, structures that are gonna be lower and have more of a streamlined look. Next slide, please. And then the public facility review, location, character, and extent. Um, this is adjacent to and within an existing transmission line corridor, so there's co-location of public facilities. Um, it is intended to meet the 3 million square feet of data center that's approved and meet infrastructure needs for this area. Uh, the character, as I've explained, we're maximizing mitigation as much as possible with tree save and meeting zoning ordinance requirements except in those two areas um, within the transmission line corridor. And then, as always, with extent, we are put, providing a substation as minimally as necessary, but in order to meet the maximum service levels um, and meet grid uh, loading and reliability criteria. Next slide, please. Oh, I'm sorry. Don't go. Next slide. Sorry. We do need to move. I know. I'm sorry. Over I'm our sorry. I know. I know. Oh, I'm okay. moving. But I thought it was important just to talk about distances from um, the areas. From North Star, where the Novex station is about 100 feet, um, from North Star to Wishing Sub is 400 feet, and then there are uh, the closest residential neighborhood is or neighbor property is 400 feet um, to the corner of the substation, and then 600 feet to that enhanced buffer, and then just because we are here on behalf of the Novex Commission permit. It's about 700 feet to the corner of Novex sub. Next slide. I also was concerned that in the 
staff report, it said that no public outreach was done, but in actuality, there was a significant amount starting in 22. Um, and this chart here outlines it. It started with the Wishing Star to Mars outreach for the transmission line corridor. We did have meetings with the HOA uh, specific to the substation and then other follow-up meetings after that. Next slide, please. And then as Marshall said, with the staff report issue uh, one, um, we do if it's have resolved. It's let's resolved. Just keep okay. Going. Yeah. If, issue if Marshall two, nods, it's resolved. Next slide. Issue two is resolved, and then issue three is the uh, Broad Run Trail and the North South Trail. And this one I do want to get into because north of here is the Brambleton substation, which, which completely blocks the transmission line corridor. Wishing Star is also going to completely block. Dominion is dedicating the land area and a 10-foot shared use path is going to be, you can see in maroon, uh, where there's gonna be a 10-foot shared use path. It makes sense to have a trail, just have it rerouted up um, that goes around Wishing Star and it goes around Brambleton and then connects uh, north of the Brambleton sub. The infrastructure's in place. Um, it goes around the impediments of the utility infrastructure already there, but also Broad Run is a very uh, significant uh, impediment as well, and there's gonna be a bridge in place for that crossing. So um, it's worth it to consider uh, the North-South tra Trail being provided already by Dominion um, through the right-of-way dedication. And I think that is it. Okay. Questions from the commission for the applicant? Commissioner Kirchner? <laughs> I, did, I did read your mind that time. <laughs> I see Eric has his light on too, but I will go ahead. Um, so, yeah, so I have two questions for you, um, and you heard them, I think, before. So, uh, I mean, since this, you know, we have this, the, I know the standard template is the 80% native plant requirement, and um, as someone who's very involved in how that came about, you know, a lot of that was due to Giving, giving, ask, requesting 80% versus 100% for like residential development where there might be lots of constraints and difficulties to give some flexibility for that applicant to, if they have to go with a more standard um, ornamental plant versus the native. But since that isn't the case here, just wondering if you would be, you know, if you would be open to committing to 100% native plants in terms of planting survivability, um, it's always been my understanding it's better to have that wiggle room. There's areas underneath the transmission line corridor um, that we just need to make sure the plant survives. So having the wiggle room to provide maybe non-native if needed um, is beneficial so we don't run into issues at a later date. But we always do strive to put 100% in or as much as possible. Um, it's cleaner and easier that way, to be honest. Mm -hmm. So um, we'd prefer the 80% just so there's no okay. issues. But I just could maybe take a look at that again, and, and I'll reach out to NRT also because, I mean, when you talk about survivability, and they just typically survive better. Okay. <laughs> so, and then the second question has to do with um, the area underneath the uh, transmission lines. Um, and I just, you know, I just pulled up an article which I, Try to forward to Marshall. I don't know if you got it, but uh, I mean, because I know this is done, you know, 
my day job is involved in a lot of this kind of stuff. So I know this is done all over the country. And I just found this article, and then actually you guys did it in, in Manassas with the power lines there. Uh, that uh, just reading here, home, uh, Manassas National Battlefield Park is home to a large power line covering 60 acres along the park's western border. Um, to uh, park staff asked me to replant the right of way with a native seed mix and manage it as a grassland. Now, 12 years later, we documented 122 unique grassland plants in the right of way, including some that are that are imperiled. Uh, that, along with so clearly, it, it worked beautifully there. As I know, it works has worked beautifully all around the country. Um, and as many people may not know. We've lost over 62% of our grasslands in North America, so it's really a, an opportunity uh, to do something um, for the natural world and, and for the community. So is that something that you know could be considered here? Um, you know, grasslands. Not talking about. I get the restrictions on trees and shrubs and all that stuff, but you guys have obviously done it other places. Yes, and I appreciate that comment very much. With this site, it will be difficult. I'm going to try to explain it a little bit from this slide. Um, if you recall, the substation is going to take up the most of the area kind of north of that swath that's cut out. So completely to the north is um, the Broad Run and then this, the substation. Then that is a 50-foot um, gas easement that I'm not sure we can plant on. Um, then can. there's also a water line easement south of that. Um, so I feel like it's going to be crunched for space and there may be impediments to being able to put a, a meadow in there. I believe you can. I, I believe that, that having those easements or the gas line or whatever is, is not a problem. Uh, when it Again, when you're just talking about grasslands, you're not talking about shrubs or trees. It's when you get these woody plants with the uh, roots and everything is when you have the problem. So um, again, you know, I think it, it would be something, I don't think that it would, doesn't seem like it would be a big lift for you guys. It would have a big, but it would have a big impact. So I don't, you know, if that's something you could maybe at least look at. We, we, we can look at it before yeah. the board. I don't know if the other guys are Talk not, with Marshall. other two there are not saying anything. But did you even consider it when you were looking at this? It didn't come up. Oh, sorry, Greg. No, I, I could speak a little bit towards that. I mean, and really to kind of back up Sherry's comment about really the the totality of what's happening in that corridor is is really impacted by the substation itself, and uh, us you know, committing to grasslands within the gas corridor right now would be significantly premature. That say Dominion can go in there and plant grasses within that transmission gas facilities mm -hmm. at this point. I definitely think we can look at the areas within the Wishing Star footprint that possible, you know, plantings could occur, but it's not going to be totality of what you're looking at there. And again, outside of that, um, the Wishing Star application area, um, that would that would not be within this application as far as requirements for that planting at this point. Um, so the north, I think we can take a look at. I do think the, the terrain on the north could possibly impact the survivability of those grasslands. Uh, but I think on the south side of where the Wishing Star footprint is located, you know, the, you know, the constraints of that gas corridor are going to limit how much meadow you're going to have. But I do think we can, 
we can take a closer look at it. Yeah. Absolutely. It's just, you know, seeds and so. Yep. Okay. For sure. Thank you. Thanks, Chair. Com Commissioner Moderetti. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, I have a question for staff. Um, so with a broad run regional trail, um, when I when I seeing the map, even if um, we get the easement here just to continue on this thing, looks like there's a substation just directly north of this area. So how we are going to go around that? Sure, to clarify the Dominion Power Regional Trail, which is the one that goes up the transmission corridor. Is yeah, that the question? Yeah, the modern one. Um, we would expect with any legislative application to for it to be consistent with county policy. So, you know, these trails are created by bits and pieces. Parts of the Broad Run Regional Trail have been um, dedicated or in the process of being dedicated via legislative application. So we would expect with each one to provide that piece. Um, I will say, at least for the Novex substation to the north, that was uh, approved prior to the 2019 CTP. So that was already in place before this alignment was um, was given. Yeah, it, it got approved before, but I mean, it basically kind of feels like a dead end to me there because they can't continue around. I mean, is that the reason um, applicant is proposing the alternative rate to the problem? Was that, did I read that correctly? I thought you you proposed an alternate route to the trail? Well, we proposed this. There's going to be, obviously, the 10-foot trail that goes along future North Star, and there's already our Cola Mill um, trail that runs. So it makes sense that trail is already there, runs north-south. It still meets the intent of the comprehensive plan recommendations by providing a route, a bridge crossing, and, um, you know, that even though it does circumvent the area um, of the transmission line corridor, pedestrians would be able to eventually get onto the Broad Run Trail that way as well. So it does make sense. And then as Dominion is getting, um, you know, more tight on trying to find spots, they are using their corridor um, and it's important infrastructure that they need um, for projects like this. So we would not be able to provide any type of easement within, obviously, because the substation is going to take up. Um, so um, just that alternate route makes sense. And then I think somebody else, I think it was uh, Commissioner Merithew, asked if there were any other trail easements up or down the corridor. When this first came out at the beginning of the application process, we looked. Couldn't tell if there was one anywhere. I found, I thought, something down south where maybe a developer put something outside of the transmission line corridor, but otherwise, no, we never found a trail easement anywhere. So, um, yeah, it would be the first one. Go ahead, Marshall. Commissioner Manoretti, we, there's two trails. There's the Broad Run Trail, which they've committed to, and we provided that linkage. Right. And then there's the second trail. You know, just as a practical matter, I remember as a kid running up and down the power lines, whether we we're supposed to or not, on our dirt bikes. I think that's the intent is to try to utilize that. I think here, having the applicant at least contemplate the alternative, which is you sidestep it along North Star, come back along the Coral Mills, and then you could reconnect again. I, don't again. I think at least demonstrates there are, there's an alternative to that. We recognize it's physically blocking underneath the easement, right. but we appreciate the fact that the applicants at least contemplated that there's a viable alternative to get around it and can reconnect on the trail north of the Brambleton substation. Okay. Of the power line trail. 
So, so did I understand correctly, Marshan, that uh, staff will be okay if we don't? Do I think we still, it is what it is. We still need you to weigh in on it, but we're acknowledging the, the conditions on the ground and um, the practicality of, of, of meeting that policy fully in this context. I, is that okay? Yes. Uh, I just wanted to provide one clarification. The shared use path along North Star Boulevard is being constructed as a part of the county's project for the North Star Boulevard um, CRCP. So that will be a part of the county's um, ongoing construction. Uh, where it, it ties into the conditions, just to clarify too, is where the permanent entrance is coming in. They have to rebuild a section of it so it can align with that new entrance. As for Arcola Mills, um, as far as we can tell, there is, um, well, there is no pedestrian facility along Arcola Mills at this point in time. So it's not built. And I can ask DTCI to elaborate more, but with ongoing road construction, Arcola Mills may at some point be dead-ended in that vicinity. So it is not certain that a pedestrian facility will connect through and not certain if VDOT will maintain it. Okay. okay. That answer your question? All right. Vice Chair Combs. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. On the northwest uh, portion of the site on the, the specs plat and even some of the um, the pictures of the existing reality on the ground there's a gap in the tree save that kind of shoots off to the west yet I can't tell necessarily on the specs plat why that gap exists I see it extends beyond the boundaries of the property um, kind of just directly out west what is the the reasoning for that gap in the tree save that is the gas line. That That's we're the gas. Of. Is that yeah. the gas line quarter we've been talking about? Yeah. Okay. Got it. Thank you. Are we still on? Commissioner Matthew. Do you have anything that illustrates what's happening between the Novak site or along the, the North Star frontage of this road? It looks like you're planting a row of trees along the road and you've got a wall on that side. But it seems very open. And exposed. So I'm wondering what is there major elevation differences here? Is there uh, some reason why there's not more screening along that road corridor? Well, we are putting the 20 foot um, road type wall. Type, I got that type part. three, yeah, buffer <laughs> uh, the road corridor. Then you can kind of see how our road entrance is going to go right there in the middle of the orange. Um, the access road is going to front along uh, North Star in between Novak and the road corridor buffer to reach the stormwater management pond. Um, so there is road, and then I think it's just grass after well, that. My, 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 what I feel is a concern to me is uh, the exposure from North Star as you're driving south and west where the stormwater pond is. Seems to be a lot of unnecessary road, and it seems open when in fact that is probably a, a, a area that we would really desire to have uh, impervious screening of some sort, better screening. We do have the tree save area right there in front of the- I see the dark green sort of, yeah, I got the dark green, but- Yeah, right there. Yeah. South of that, west of that, around the pond is all open. And I'm curious about why you need so much road or driveway along that frontage and around the pond. The swath is going to be for the new transmission line. That's why there's the break um, in there. But we, again, are providing the road corridor buffer. And I'm sorry, I can't hear you very well. Sorry about that. 
And then the two, there's two access points for the Novec, Novec substation that are needed, um, as well as two no, or entrance points for the Wishing Star sub. So, uh, Why is that? Why do they need two access points? So Novec is requesting that, and Dominion typically would always prefer to have two access points into their substations. Um, again, I know we do have substations in Loudoun County that we only have one, but that is not our preference. Uh, in order to get access the end of the of the station right we have one on the south and i guess one on the uh the northeastern side close to the stormwater pond so novet currently has two entry points into theirs and dominion has two entry points into their substation would you have a second entry point on the south end of novet you got one on the south we don't access through we wouldn't access through novet's facility to get to ours oh no i mean novet for novet well, Novec has, uh, from the south side, there is actually storm facilities in that area to come from the south. I don't think you'd be able to one. do that. What about another one on the south side, around the end of the Novec uh, site? Can you try to point out exactly where that is? West is of your current entrance. West, and west of, of Dominion's entry point? Oh, I get the tech? <laughs> No, it's oh. not going to show. Right there. Second entrance. We do have stormwater there. Stormwater. There is stormwater. Yeah, there's storm. There's actually water facilities going through that area as well. We, the storm is over here, right? But there is a bioretention swale, I believe, over there on the um, south side. And then also. Corridor. Pardon me? In the corridor? In the the, that area between the drive, the, yeah. no, no, just to the right of there, where you see that dark line, that, that entire area there is stormwater management. Oh, really? It's not a pond, but it, it's a stormwater management facility. Yeah. Well, I was looking at an entrance there, and then you would have your entrance here, right? I'm just curious why this is so open, when in fact this is the area that we want to have the best screening block the view of traffic coming this way down North Star. Well, as Sherry indicated, the portion of that is actually transmission corridor. So a portion of that, you wouldn't be able to put any vegetation at all. No, it's... What's this corridor? That's all tree save area there. What's the blue line represent? Technically, the, where the, the type... Blue line? Yeah, that's technically, we're meeting the type C buffer requirements through the tree... I'm sorry? Technically, we're meeting the type C buffer requirements through the tree conservation, so it's just meant to show it has a buffer. But I don't understand what that blue line is. Is that a trail? No, that's just an indication that the type C buffer is being met within that area. So this is, out, is this gray area outside the tree save area? That is tree save area. The gray is? Yep. Okay. So why can't that come down here? That's where the transmission line corridor is going to be. How wide is the corridor? 150 feet. Oh, it's transmission. It's not distribution. It's transmission. Mm. <coughs> I think it still needs work, but thank you. Chair Frank, can I clarify for a second? Please. So during the presentation, Chair, if you could let me know. So the minor special exception was to eliminate the buffer on the north and south side of the um, enclosure 
under the power line, but your revised materials are going to do some sort of revised buffer yard there. No, within the quarter, if you look on sheet six okay. of the um, special exception, I'm sorry, the minor special exception plat, you can, it is shown there in pink if you go in okay. that there will be a 25 foot buffer there. And okay. It's the clarification you had earlier, I was just trying to clarify what you had said earlier yeah. when you had had a conversation. Yeah. So the minor special exception was to modify that, not eliminate it. Correct. Okay. We'll get that cleaned up on the. Yeah. Way to the board. Okay, thank you. You beat me to my question. Commissioner Barnes. Yes, I have a quick one follow up with Mr. Matthews. Uh, did I understand when you were talking to him uh, that Novak uh, substation uh, has four walls, four all, all around it, 12 foot wall? It's enclosed completely, right? Correct. With uh, yes. Uh, so. What is uh, Mr. Matthew talking about the pond that like to enclose or put fence around it? Well, we are meeting the requirements of the zoning ordinance by providing the road corridor buffer. Um, so with the road and so security the around the substation, we're meeting the requirements of Novak, Dominion, and the, the zoning The pond is going to be open, right? Correct. Anybody, kids can come around, fish there, or do something there? I would say yes, if there's not a fence around it. They can but it would need there, so there's nothing to protect them from going inside, the young kids, right? Well, there probably is, I would think, um, requirements for the stormwater management pond, but um, hopefully no kids will be going into the yeah, pond. Hopefully it's pretty bad, you know, because kids find a way of getting in things, you know. Yeah. How deep is it? About eight feet. How? Eight feet. Yeah. And it, it is a wet pond, or it's a wet pond. It's a wet pond. Yeah, deep enough for the kids to get in there. We I will would, check I, on I what the. See what you can do about it yeah. because the kids' safety is important. I believe there should be regulations that require fencing, but I need to verify that and. Okay. We'll get back Thank to Marshall. You. Thank you. Chair Frank. Yes. May I ask a follow-up question? You had something to clarify as it relates to the SPMI. Does that have to change on the commission permit? Because the commission permit can't change after tonight if the planning commission approves it. I'm sorry, I missed the intent of that question. So you clarified that there was, there's going to be a change to your SPMI request? For the buffers? No, there's no change. I It was miscommunicated um, when I had a meeting with Commissioner Frank, as well as in the staff report, and the plat is, uh, it's shown on one sheet, but probably not on another sheet. So our request is correct, and it's shown in the plan as having 25-foot buffers within the transmission line corridor. Um, in that box to the left, or maybe above it, it does say that we're requesting to modify it with the intent to meet all the plant unit requirements, but through the, um, just to eliminate the trees, tree requirement. Okay, thanks. Sure. Marshall, you have what, what you need in, okay, perfect. All right. I have one more question. Commissioner oh, Moderati. Really quick, <laughs> promise. Um, have you guys worked with, um, Willowsford community at all in terms of 
a community outreach and and see what they would like to see and how you guys can work with them? Um, yes, we had a couple meetings, um, if not more. There, Like I explained on that one sli slide about community outreach, there was a combination between the Wishing Star to Mars transmission line project. Um, there was a lot of outreach starting in 2022. Uh, then in January of last year, we did have an in-person meeting at an HOA meeting where we did meet with the community. Um, we did get very good feedback from them, and that's where we um, widened that buffer on the western side that faces them. So it's now 35 feet as opposed to 25 feet with um, more plantings within that 35-foot buffer. So it's going to be wider, more substantial to mitigate those views. And then there was also just one gentleman that his home was kind of at an angle, um, but and the, and Willisford has an extensive tree um, buffer on their property, but sure, in the winter months, it's a little scarce, you know, three months, three, four months out of the year. And he did, we could see that he could have views. And on our plan originally, there was kind of a gap um, because of the water line, I believe, um, where he potentially could see the wall. So um, Jack was able to manipulate it a little bit to where that enhanced buffer overlaps with the type C buffer um, in that area. So. Yes, to answer your question, we did meet with Willisford um, and did get their feedback and accommodated it with some of the changes that I just mentioned. We did have a follow-up open house. Uh, it was a month or two after that, a virtual meeting with the Willisford Conservancy who maintains their landscape and treat areas. So, um, yes, there was, there was uh, at least three meetings. Thank you. I just want to hear that you okay. guys worked and yes. made some changes. What yes, we did. Looking for. Okay, thank you. Okay, um, seeing no other lights on and questions for the applicant, we'll go ahead and open the public hearing. I do not have anyone signed up in advance to speak on this item. Is there anyone in the room who would like to speak on this item? Seeing none, do we have anyone online to speak on this item? Madam Chair, yes, we have someone online. I'll put her through now. Okay. Good evening. Hello, hi. Uh, you go ahead. You have three minutes to speak. Okay. Hi, my name is Alicia Mullick, and I'm the secretary for Willows for HOA. The Willows for HOA currently opposes the current location of a Wishing Star substation. Willows currently has a reasonable substation located at the entrance of Willows Grange, which has already negatively impacted our home values and overall aesthetic of Willows Grange. We also have the North Star substation that is located in the south of the Grange that is currently being built. It is not fair that one community takes the brunt of the county's data center's electrical needs by having an active transmission easement and three substations directly adjacent to us. We strongly oppose the current special exemption to allow a utility substation to be built on land that is currently zoned PDA. This land where the power substation structures will be located is directly adjacent to our residents' backyards and our playgrounds. We ask that the applicants update the application to shift these larger structures away from our backyard. We ask that the applicant to work with the HOA and come up with an agreement that is similar to what was compromised with the Novak North Star substation. Novak had worked with the HOA in providing 150,000 tools for conservancy for reforestation efforts on the land that would be adjacent to the substation. 
and also built a top to help mitigate some of the negative visual impacts for residents. Williamsford is appreciative and is willing to work with the applicant to find a solution, but as the current application currently stands, we do not support the application and ask for denial by the Planning Commission. Thank you. Thank you. Do we have any other online speakers? No, we do not. Okay, thank you. Last call here in the room. All right, we will close the public hearing on this particular item. Uh, anything that we need to clarify that was uh, from the public comment staff or applicant? Nope, okay, wonderful. We will go ahead then and um, take a motion. We are in Blue Ridge. Mr. Vance. I move that the Planning Commission forward Legi 2023-0055 Wishing Star Substation ZCPA 2022-0009 CMPT 2022-0010 CMPT 2022-0011 Special exception 2022-0047, special exception 2023-0025, and minor special exception 2022-0018 to a planning commission work session for further discussion. Second. A motion is made by Commissioner Vance, seconded by Commissioner Kirchner. Do you have an opening? Yes, I do. Um, it appears during the conversation, I do understand that um, you know, we've resolved all, many of the issues, uh, but it seems to me there are still a few outstanding questions that need to be addressed. Um, the caller from Willersford added to my concern there as well. Um, so my feeling is, um, a work session perhaps is in order to uh, <clears throat> further explore some of the alternatives uh, and some of the questions that have been raised. Thank you. Commissioner Merrithew? Just a question on the commission permit and the time schedule. Do we have an issue extending the commission permit to a uh, work session? The critical action date is April, April 15th, 2024 for the commission permit as well. Okay, thank yes. you. Okay, Vice Chair Combs. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. With respect to the public comment, I, I think I understood her to be um, looking for reforestation, particularly on the west side of the parcel. Um, in looking at the specs plat, there's a tree save on the entirety of the west side of the parcel minus the gas line easement. And then we have the transmission corridor. You can't reforest underneath the, or within that transmission line corridor, correct? Correct. And, and the limits of the proposed transmission substation are entirely within that transmission corridor, is that correct, or does it extend west of that? The limits of the um, substation, correct, yes, are within the corridor and does not go under the other side of it to the tree canopy area, is that what, 
Okay, yes. Yeah, so as I look at that, as in looking at that plan, I don't see where there's opportunity for any more reforestation. Um, even if the substation were drawn farther east, there's still the the transmission corridor where we can't reforest. So I, I don't know what there is left to do there. Um, with respect to the other open issues, they seem to have been resolved. Um, I, in light of all of that, I would be in favor of sending this uh, forward if, if the opportunity arose. Commissioner Miller. Um, I will be brief. Um, I installed a heater on my deck two weeks ago, and I was fortunate enough to um, buy a limited edition bottle of bourbon from the ABC sale on Saturday, and I'm willing to crack that bottle and sit under the heater and regale anybody about the ails of buy right development if they would like, because without that, this would not be an issue tonight. Thank you. Any other comments from the commission? Commissioner? Just real quick, I'm just hoping that um, between now and the uh, work session, we'll look at the issues that I brought up, be able to talk to them, talk about them. Okay. Do you have a closing, Commissioner Rance? No. All right. We have a motion on the floor. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Nay. 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 So four, four, are you and I? Okay. All right. Motion carries 5-3 with Commissioners Frank, Combs, and Moderati opposed. Okay. Thank you all. Marshall, we'll see you in a few weeks. Enjoy us being out of your hair. Happy holidays. All right, our final item on tonight's legislative agenda. Legi 2023-0034, Arcola Farms Residential. Welcome everybody up. And uh, Lori, we are ready when you are for our presentation. Well, thank you, Chair Frank and fellow commissioners. My name is Lori Radcliffe Myers with Planning and Zoning, and I'll be presenting Arcola Farms Residential. The property is comprised of approximately 80.28 acres in the 2011 Blue Ridge Election District and the 2023 Little River and Ashburn Election District, and is located east of Evergreen Mills Road and south of Ryan Road. Existing zoning on the property is transitional residential 10 and planned development housing zoning districts. The property is located in the transition policy area in the transition small lot neighborhood place type. The applications proposed to rezone the 80.28 acres from the TR10 and the PDH4 
zoning districts to the R4 residential zoning district to develop 307 single-family detached dwelling units. The applicant is also requesting six zoning modifications. As seen on the, on the um, CDP, they're proposing four different styles of lots. We have in the orange single-family detached 50-foot wide lots, front loading. The bronze is single-family detached 41-foot wide lot, rear loading, so bronze. The purple is single-family detached 33-foot wide lot, rear loading. And then the pink are the affordable housing units cottage lots. So staff has identified the following outstanding issues. Land use, compatibility and design, transportation, fiscal impacts, and zoning modifications. The proposed development does not demonstrate consistency with the clustered neighborhood pattern as recommended in the transition small lot neighborhood place type as found in the Loudoun County 2019 comprehensive plan. The proposed layout has characteristics of a traditional suburban neighborhood that lacks forested buffers surrounding the development. Compatibility and design. The site design does not achieve the TSL in place type cluster development design. The design of the site does not take into consideration the future development of the adjacent parcels that are in the transition large lot neighborhood place type to create a complete residential neighborhood. The 2019 general plan calls for a minimum of 50% of the land area to be dedicated to open space to create a visually di dis distinct area that serves as the main landscape setting. The proposed open space identified by the applicant as meeting the place type requirement is located interior to the development and is made up of floodplain and an, an enhanced road corridor buffer along perimeter roads. As, the, as this proposal is mostly surrounded by the transition large lot neighborhood and is adjacent to the rural policy area, the open space along Ryan Road and Evergreen Mills Road is particularly significant to this development. The applicant is proposing to construct Ryan Road as a major collector four-lane median divided roadway with a 10-foot path in lieu of providing capital facilities regional road and transit contributions in the total amount of $16,625,694. However, if the applicant does construct Ryan Road widening improvements, credit against the regional transit contribution is not supported. The applicant is also proffering that if the Ryan Road improvements are constructed, constructed and paid for by others, the owner shall instead make regional transit, capital facilities, and regional road contributions for each market rate residential unit constructed on the property. Again, the 2019 countywide transportation plan does not discuss an exemption for providing contributions for affordable units. The county would anticipate regional road and transit contributions in the amount of $2,149,000. However, the applicant's proffers total $1,876,000, leading to a deficit of $273,000 in transportation and transit contributions. Based on what is proposed, 39 of the 307 new units are proposed to be affordable. This equates to 12.5% affordability in terms of new units. 
If AHU funding is not obtained, the application will contribute the same number of affordable dwelling units. The applicant should confirm whether or not these ADUs will be distributed amongst the various unit sizes that will be provided. Also, if AHU funding is not obtained, the application is not proposing any unmet housing needs units. Staff recommends that the development provide price diversity and unit size diversity throughout the development. The applicant is proposing that the AHUs may be developed on two or more lots that include multiple residential units. If multiple individual single family detached units are on a single lot, staff questions how each single family detached unit would meet the lot requirements. Staff continues to internally discuss the possible alternative lot configuration for the possible AHUs. Staff recommends the Planning Commission forward the applications to a future Planning Commission work session for further discussion on these outstanding items. Staff is available for questions. I also have DTCI, Housing, and Loudoun County Public Schools available as well. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Uh, shout out to all of you guys for getting stuck at the last meeting of the year. So thank you, Brian, Marie, and, and Bev. Uh, Commissioner Miller. Thank you, Lori. Can you go back to slide nine? So all of the blue is transition small lot neighborhood? Correct. So what's all that stuff to the east side, left side, right side of that, all that brambles and stuff? Does that conform to transition small lot or is that just the stuff that was there before we did the general plan? Correct, that was the stuff that was there before the 2019 general plan update. So does that mean that all that stuff is now non-conforming use? <laughs> <laughs> Right, I'm, mix, yeah, I'm mixing metaphors. Um, so it just, it just seems to me that we're extending what's already there. Um, uh, since schools are here, um, across the street from all of this, and the staff report says something effective, we should transition from the rural policy area. Of course, the entirety of the land across from this on Evergreen Mills Road is rural policy area that now has access to water and sewer and is building a three school complex um, and there's no trees left over there. Um, just big giant piles of dirt and big concrete buildings. Um, uh, for schools or for DTCI, the Evergreen Mills improvements, who's managing that? I assume Evergreen Mills has to be widened or something done to it in that area with the schools coming in? I, I believe so. Commissioner Miller, um, with the school site, DTCI has recommended that before the high school open in 2028, that Evergreen Mills Road would need to be widened to four lanes to support From the where to where? From Ryan South or from some portion of it to the north of Ryan? I would need to double check their traffic study to confirm that. Okay. okay. Bev? From Ryan to Creighton. From Ryan to Creighton. Well, Right, so go from Ryan South. Correct. Okay. Um, okay, so the purpose of that is because the schools will be act creating, widening roads to reach a school, would that be considered a regional road? To, to widen the road to widen, yeah, right. But widening of Ryan would not be for purposes of this application, this is Lori's question, would not be considered regional because it's serving this neighborhood? Well, we received a new submission from the applicant um, 
and I don't know that our revised comments were in with this, but the applicant submitted a revised traffic study that looked at they could keep Ryan Road as two lanes, limit their access points along Ryan Road, and it would still function as a two-lane road. So given that they've proven now that they would not need the four-lane improvement to mitigate their impacts, DTCI could support the widening for trans transportation credits. It's the transit credits that we have an issue Because we consider now considered a regional right, road. Because this is something in our CIP that we're currently funding, and with them advancing that improvement, we would support the credit for it. Okay, so it is something we are funding in our CIP to the tune of what number? $35 million, I believe. So the applicant is suggesting that they can build this road for 40% of that? Roughly, yes. <laughs> okay. We'll drink the second bottle of bourbon on the heated deck to talk about how <laughs> county government spends 80% more than private sector, but that's another story. Um, I think that's my questions for now. Thank you, Marie. Thanks. Marshawn. Just want to answer the conversation you had, had earlier. So I've been here long enough to remember Brambleton 1-3, Lands Bays 1-3 and 5, and they had revised their application to extend additional density into the rural area, and the conversation was the transition. So you can see by this graphic, and when you pull farther out, that the higher density units were along um, Belmont Ridge Road, closer to the town center, and you went from your townhouses, your multifamily in the town center, and you transitioned by unit type and lot size out to the western part of the project or western part of Brambleton. And so that's why you see sort of the, the pattern of development moving from uh, east to west. And sure. that was the intent at the time to transition it. So is the undeveloped land to the west of that and south of the applicants, um, uh, the yellow boundaries, is that still Brambleton land? Is that it is. And so it's still, um, it's in, this isn't showing it, but I, I do see online that they've subdivided about, all those uh, lots. All of this. Yep. Yes. So the area all in yellow below it is your school campus. No, no. All yeah. this right here. Yeah. This, all that is the extended extension of Brambleton in a similar pattern that you see to the right where your cursor is. This Correct. is moving into here. Correct. And that was moving from what you see, see the townhomes to the, that string of townhomes? Yep. Yep. And then you see on the other side as well. Detached and that will be detached all in small <coughs> lots and these are small lots yep. also. And that was, again, that was the intent to transition east to west. Yes. Okay. And then the school site is right here? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> well, we not sure know how to pack them in. Okay. Thank you. Commissioner Kirchner. Thank you. I just have a question on the um, trails. So um, I see that um, there's this one, the, if you can go to that slide that has the, the colored slide that has all the, shows the trails on it. Yeah, thank you. Um, so there's the one large trail going across the floodplain and then it looks like with that dark purple and then it looks like there's several other lighter purple that snake in and around the floodplain, right? Am I looking at that correctly? Did the county request trails in the floodplain? No, I don't believe the county requested trails in the okay, floodplain. Yeah, I mean, because it's, it's, it's... You are allowed within the floodplain. Yeah. But did, did the county request, I mean, did Parks and Rec request? I mean, just no. looks like spaghetti thrown in there, an awful lot of trails, and then they're right over on the floodplain. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Any other questions for staff? Mr. Matthew? Is the the um, 
small lot neighborhood issue, the design issue, the fact that they do not have a perimeter, a heavy perimeter green area is that they have interconnected streets, they have multiple unit sizes and types. Correct. So it's it's part of that in regards to not having the uh, the view from Evergreen Mills Road and Ryan Road isn't um, open space, um, forested buffers, and then also the cluster development. So the cluster style development. So the the houses should be clustered around green open spaces. And right now it's it's reading more as a suburban type development. So you would like less linear along the road and more compact cluster? Correct, to meet the place. Okay. Yeah. To uh, Mr. Miller's comment, um, on the north side of Ryan Road, that is all in conservation easement. You have me obsessing about conservation easements now. But <laughs> so you have large lot conservation lots sort of acting as a buffer on the north side of Ryan Road. Um, it would seem that that sort of protects that part of the large lot transition area. Uh, they provided their own basic uh, buffer, if you will. But you want you want them to pull away from the road further. Correct. It, yeah. Correct. Okay. Okay. All right. I have a couple of questions before we move on to the applicant. Um, I I will drag Marie and perhaps Bev up. Um, we were talking about Ryan Road. And it sounds like it's tied to the construction of the high school. Do we have a target year for that construction or the opening of the high school? Oh, I'm sorry, Evergreen's tied to it. Yeah, no, no, I, I misspoke. I, I meant Evergreen. <laughs> yeah. No one wants to sit in the hot seat. Yeah, no I know. I'm Bev Tate for Loudon Schools. Um, the high school is planned to open in the fall of 28. Okay. And so the road should be open and functioning by that point in four years-ish. That is four the um, indication we're getting from referral comments, yes. Okay. And that includes some improvements to that light at Evergreen and Ryan? I mean, there must we, be more lanes coming, obviously, so. We have, um, LCPS has already made some improvements to Red Hill Road. Nevergreen Mill Road tied to the opening of Watson Mountain that opens this coming fall. Okay. Oh, that's the same. Cute. Um, that, that's fun. Watson, Watson Mountain. That's the um, middle school bed, right? Yes. Watson Mountain Middle School. Yes, that's the first one. Okay. All right. That's probably my only transportation question for now. Um, for, for Lori, I just want to kind of get it out there for the sake of anybody who, you know, is, is kind of geeky like me and been following the new zoning ordinance that was passed last week. The setback modifications that are requested here, I understand that this application, given the timing it came in and the timing with which that we're hearing it, it is the old, the old numbers and, and setbacks that we, you have to compare it to. But for curiosity's sake for the commission, how do the modifications compare to the new zoning ordinance were this to come in under that? I, I don't know that offhand. I would have to okay. review that. I, um, I, don't I know what know. the applicant says. I just wanted to see if staff concurred. Uh, yeah, with if you, you go to work session, that's something we can yeah. run okay. the comparison mm -hmm. to. Although run them. Most of, as you know, most of the, for all the applications we have active, we'll be going with each applicant to see whether or not they want to 
Convert to the new ordinance, or they wish or to, to stay, stay under the old ordinance? Positives and negatives abound. Yep. Plenty. Okay. All right. Um, then I and then Brian will make it worth your night. Um, my last thing is a housing question. Um, do we know how we can work multiple independent LITEC single-family units on one parcel? <laughs> It would be, as far as I'm aware, this would be the first single-family detached type that would be awarded funding in the Commonwealth. So there's a, a little bit of a learning curve coming along with that, but okay. um, it is a possibility through Virginia Housing, so I'm sure they have it their is. own. Yes. Okay, so, so have we floated that this might be coming to them? Are they, I mean, just... Like from the applicant they have. Kind of so, okay, so, so so nobody's looking at us going, nah, that's not what no. we thought. Okay, all right, that's that's a good first step. All right, that was it. Thank yeah, you. Of course. Yeah, just go ahead. Go ahead, Marshawn. Yeah, it's um, zoning is still looking into it, um, talking with the county attorney uh, to see the feasibility of it and if we would okay. be able to. Yeah, so that's an ongoing issue. That's so. I believe right now they're not proffering to LIHTC is simply an option yes. that they can, can vet. So <clears throat> we were always told we couldn't do it this way. Now we can do it this way. We've got to figure out. So th essentially what's happening is you have, for that LIHTC, you have to have it all on a single parcel. So it's almost like you have to condo all those single-family units mm -hmm. to do it. And right now we don't have a mechanism with which to do it. So that's going to be an ongoing conversation. Zoning's going to have to figure out how to administer something like this. So it's not a bad thing, it's just yeah. something. Yeah. Yes. Commissioner Miller. We, when you say we don't have a process for that, you're talking about zoning, you're talking about the state, the county, or No, from a local plan? level. How, how we administer what is supposed to be a single family, standalone lot product, right. when you assemble them all on a single lot, how does, how does that work? How do you administer it? It can be done, we just gotta. Right, we because we have no, it's not in our zoning, yeah. it's not, it hasn't been yeah. contemplated. Exactly. Before nothing. Yeah. Okay. I think this is always what we wanted an option to have. Right. Um, yeah. Now that's happening, we got to figure out how to do it. Okay. It's always nice to hear that just because we haven't done it doesn't mean we're closed off to it because new things are good too. All right. Um, all right. <coughs> that is all I had. Uh, I guess we are ready for the applicant presentation. I feel like somebody should break out in song. We'll spend some time, give Lori some time to pull up the presentation. Little jingle bells. Yeah, I've made it four years without tap dancing up here. <laughs> Literally, maybe figuratively I have, but I'll, I'll go ahead and hold off for one more meeting. Probably need more of Commissioner Miller's bourbon to there get us all just singing. Okay. My name is Colleen Gillis. I'm an attorney with Cooley, and I'm here tonight on behalf of Toll Brothers. We're really, 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 really exceptionally proud of this application and being here before you tonight. Next slide. I'm going to start first. I know that Lori showed you where the property is located. It is located in the northwest corner of Brambleton, and it's kind of a, an appendage to Brambleton. And we are pleased to say that on this past Tuesday night, the Brambleton HOA voted to uh, agree to the annex this property into the Brambleton HOA if it's ultimately approved by the Board of Supervisors. Really proud, obviously, getting Brambleton HOA approval is no small feat. They have very high architectural and landscaping standards, and obviously their amenities are second to none. Uh, 
this parcel before we hop off of it, that blue outlined area, you can see is very close. If you look to the, to the right and above Ryan Road, there's a little triangle piece. That parcel is the home of Brambleton's latest and greatest pool and bathhouse. So if annex, these people will have very close walking access to that pool and bathhouse. Next slide. So uh, when we met with uh, one of the commissioners, they said, I, if, if I just drove by this, I wouldn't think anything was happening. Obviously, you've done a lot of discussion about what's happening in the area. This answers, I think, some of Commissioner Miller's questions. But you've got Brambleton to the east, Evergreen Reserve, as Commissioner Marathium pointed out to the north, that's already been spoken for and is part of conservation, eas uh, co conservation easements, the public schools to the west, and Willisford. This is a rapidly evolving area consistent with the comprehensive plan and the transition policy area. And we think really ripe for uh, development here. Next slide. <clears throat> so this is the place type. And as you look at every single bullet except for that last one, um, you know, we think that we we meet it. We think that we we absolutely embrace this. These are neighborhoods that are clustered on either side of the floodplain, include focal points that are open space, no more than four dwelling units acre. We can go through all of that. And we had a lot of conversation in the staff report about the extensive woodland buffers. We'll talk about that, why it's not possible, even though the plan calls for it, and why it's probably not advisable as well. Next slide. So this is our proposed layout. We're really proud of this. Um, four different product types, as Lori already identified. Lots of trails. Those trails, Commissioner Kirshner, are impervious that go through the floodplain. They are not pervious trails, um, and they're not all over the, the floodplain. There's, you know, uh, thoughtful crossings as well. Um, next slide. And those open space, the open space as focal points. Each one of these stars is, you know, on top of that open space. And so you've got lots of sizable, really good sized open spaces that, that permeate through this community. I think that each and every one of these sub neighborhoods will go, that is my open space, depending on how close they are to any one of those starred open space areas. Next slide. And as we've already talked about, we have four different lot types that um, that trail, Commissioner Kirshner, on the right side, on the east side of the floodplain, from Ryan Road to Evergreen Mills Road, will be in a public access easement. It is outside of the floodplain, but it will provide for, for obviously, trail connections through the property that will be open to the public. Next slide. Commissioner Miller, you asked the question, I know you're walking away right now, about, about uh, the Brambleton homes that are to the east and how they transition. This is a rendering that was put together by um, our, our illustratives team. The white boxes are just representative of what could be built there on our property, and the foreground is actually designed, architected renderings of what's going to be built there as well. And so it gives you a sense for when those, those homes do come to pass, they, that's what they will look like in the, in the overall context here. Next slide. Um, view from Evergreen Mills Road. Uh, obviously, being annexed into Brambleton means we got to do what Brambleton does. Great berms, great landscaping, front doors, front facades, in some cases, side facades facing the main roads. Next slide. And this is the view from Ryan Road, right? We, we heard that you know, we want more open space to, to buffer to the transition large lot neighborhood. Huge open space area here, significantly set back, a minimum of 75 foot of setback from the ultimate right of way of Ryan Road, big, big areas. Next slide. And those open space areas. This is called Arcola Square. Beautiful. Front doors opening out into this big open space area. Next slide. 
Additionally, the one plus acre Arcola Garden Park, that park I just referenced is on the west side of the floodplain. This is on the east side of the floodplain. Passive and active recreation areas. Next slide. And then this is just another view of all of those open space areas. And again, you can very easily see that people are gonna go, this is my this is my neighborhood's open space. This is my neighborhood's open space. On the left side of the slide, I point your attention to the cottage lots. These are those affordable single family detached uh, affordable rental units. What I wanna point out is, is that these were not put in the place where we weren't gonna make a whole lot of money. We put them in a premium lot location. Those homes are right next to the floodplain with great mature trees. They will have you know, beautiful backyards that are backing up to those trees and just a really good representation of how we've been thoughtful about every, every single future resident of this community. Next slide. Those cottage lots, really attractive. They will not have garages, they will park out front, but, but you know, really good looking, high quality architecture, just like the rest of our units. There'll be 39 of them, really, really sizable. We're excited about digging in on how to figure this out because we think it's so innovative and something that's really needed in our rapidly growing county. Next slide. But we also have these other two uh, rear load type products. And you, you see one is um, a bit, bit narrower, one is a bit wider. Um, of note, the cottage lots are actually wider than the lot that you see in the top there. Those are not, we have not put the cottages on the smallest lots, they are on the, the second smallest lots. And so we haven't, we haven't crammed them in. Next slide. We've got the more traditional front load two car garage, single family detached houses. So again, there's something here virtually for everybody. Next slide. Staff talked about the appropriate, uh, the appropriate transition of, of intensity here. You had this conversation earlier. The townhomes that are at the corner of Ryan Road and North Star Boulevard are roughly seven dwelling units to the acre. In between those townhomes and our community, it's over four dwelling units to the acre, about 4.2, 4.3 dwelling units to the acre. When you get to our neighborhood, we're at 3.8. We think that this is an appropriate transitioning down from the town center out to Evergreen Mills Road. Next slide. And then there was a lot of conversation about, about how are we transitioning. And, and Commissioner Marathew, your, your comments, I humbly were, were spot on. We have nine acres of open space along, along Evergreen Mills Road and Ryan Road. And what we are buffering to is, as you can see on the left side, floodplain and conservation easement on the north side of Ryan Road. And then on the Evergreen Mills Road side of the property, we're transitioning to floodplain or school site or, or a winery, like unlikely to be redeveloped in the transition large lot neighborhood place type. But nevertheless, lots of open space, wide setbacks, buffers, et cetera. And we think that that's, that's appropriate. Next slide. But as you heard um, Lori talk about, you know, this really gets it. We want forested buffers along the perimeter. These lots that are being sold to Toll Brothers for development <clears throat> are currently occupied by homes and homeowners. So as you can see from this image, what is along Ryan Road, what is along <clears throat> Evergreen Mills Road are people's front yards. They're not heavily forested areas. Where it is forested adjacent to Brambleton, well, Brambleton is going to be our future you know, our future community. This will be a Brambleton neighborhood. And we think that separating us from the future community we're gonna be a part of is, is largely inappropriate. And so we can't really work with it and we don't think it's a great idea to, to separate us from future Brambleton. Next slide. Just to see what those front yards look like, we've taken these pictures, you can see, you know, there aren't forested buffers along Ryan Road and Evergreen Mills Road to, to make this happen. Next slide. But our proposed buffers, 
Next slide. Our Brambleton, right? The, the berms, the great landscaping that really creates that buffer from the roads to the community. Next slide. Talked a lot tonight about transportation. I know you've asked a lot of questions of uh, Marie Pham as well as Bev Tate. This is right from the county CIP. It's a $35 million, as Marie said, $35 million road improvement project. The right-of-way costs to acquire all the right-of-way, which admittedly includes some of the right-of-way we're going to give for free with our application, um, is $5.2 million. The total construction cost is $26 million with a completion year of FY 2030. We think humbly that we can do it faster and cheaper and, and, and more accelerated than the county can. Next slide. And to do that, we're going to bundle all of our transportation, transit, and tra regional transportation contributions, which if we dripped them out to the county on a per unit by per unit basis, would yield a net benefit to us at the county of $16.6 .6 million. Next slide. But instead of that, we're going to do this improvement right up front. Uh, commit to construct the entirety of Ryan Road in that missing segment in lieu of making those payments. We're going to assume the risk of project construction cost exposure, right? If costs go up, there is no out for us. Um, and it's a net benefit to the county of more than $18 million. We have added, based on the comments from DTCI, we are prepared to add to the proffers an additional cash in lieu contribution that if the county or somebody else does the road project, somehow Toll Brothers gets out of the home building business or something, and they, and they do it, we'll pay for our fair share in addition to CAP facilities, regional transportation, and transit. Next slide. Your question. Chair Frank, with regard to the zoning modifications. We did look at this, and I, you know, I know you expected to see this this evening, but every single one of the zoning modifications, except for the one that's in green, would not be necessary under the zoning ordinance rewrite that was adopted last Wednesday. And we say this because obviously the transition small lot neighborhood place type and the resulting zoning district that comes with it, brand new. And so this really sets the vision for what this place type was supposed to be developed like and we think it's really telling to say that all almost all of our zoning modifications would not be necessary under the zoning ordinance rewrite importantly we would still need one and that is the reduced front yard setback of nine feet versus what zora is asking for which is 10. and this just gives a future homeowner a little bit of flexibility should they make the decision to put a deck or balcony off the back of their home next slide that is it. We're really proud of this application. We think that this is really going to be a net benefit to the county financially, development-wise. Um, we couldn't be more excited to be here with you tonight, and I'm happy to answer any questions. Thank you. Commissioner Miller. Could you explain to us um, where we are with the state regarding LIDTEC funding, where, where the applicant is, and why we think we're it's possible and the conversations and the feedback you've received from Virginia Housing. Yeah, so we've had the conversations. We have a we have a uh, affordable housing developer, and we have explored with him this possibility. He has had conversations with Virginia Housing. Virginia Housing, right? The reason why we don't have Virginia Housing funding for individual ADUs that it gets scattered all over the place is, is that they prefer them to be in one location. Accordingly, Virginia Housing would like these two clusters to be individual lots and we're exploring that that's their preference from a funding perspective right then they're not they're not financing 20 lots here and 20 lots here they're instead funding funding one lot here and one lot here so we're just we're 
I don't think that it's a, we can't do it. It's really, we're just trying to figure right out how. how to do it. Yeah. But you have been in contact yes. with, with Virginia Housing yes. and they've like, these are things we yep. want to do this and this yep. is how it can be done. Okay. Yep. Commissioner Miller, I got Brian Reagan nodding his head yes. He agrees. Okay. Great. Thank you. Other questions or comments from the commission? Commissioner Kirchner. Thank you. Um, I have a question on the uh, landscape buffering along Ryan Road and um, Evergreen Mills Road that you talked about. Yep. The staff was talking about a desire for tree buffering and there isn't anything there right. now and so you, you say you can't do it. Um, and I, when I looked at your graphics, it looks like what, what you are proposing, so that is very kind of suburban style looking, so like copying Brambleton basically. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what about looking at something that looks a little more like transition area landscaping that does bring back some more natural tree area look um, as opposed to, you know, the one thing that strikes me on this is that this is, it is very suburban looking and, mm -hmm. and it seems like you could make some modifications like that uh, to make it less sort of suburban. When you say you want it to look more transition and more natural, are you thinking in terms of the grasses? Are you thinking in terms of no, the plant material? Right, and the trees and like okay. just do, like I'm just throwing, not asking anything in particular, I'm just wondering if you even looked at something like that, because you seem very absolute, like, well, can't do any kind of, you know, tree buffering because it's, you know. Because there's none there. There's nothing there now, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I, yeah. I, I we will be doing. to looking at, okay, rather than just putting in like a straight line, you know, a berm and a line of trees, like we see in so yeah. many suburban neighborhoods. Yeah. Do something so, a little more innovative that, that gives you the feeling that you have, you know, some a, a tr natural tree. A little area. bit more wild. Yeah. Yeah, so I want to be clear, like we have not gotten into that level of detail and said, then said it's going to, the tree will be here and it will be in a straight line. We do need to work with the Brambleton HOA in terms of plant material and those sorts of things, but I think it's something that we're willing to talk about. We've got, there are obviously a number of, um, of easements in the right of way, at least on, on Ryan Road, and I expect as well on Evergreen Mills Road. Is, so we need to work with that, but we're happy to look at something that's less linear and less suburban and a little bit more natural. Dave, do you want to answer? Yeah, I think certainly we can uh, go back and, and reevaluate, but as Colleen's indicated, um, there is a multitude of dry utilities uh, along Ryan Road, and one of the reasons why we pulled the buffer a little further off of Ryan Road. Um, and then with regards to Evergreen Mills Road, um, we want to make sure that we give them enough space for, when I say they, uh, public schools, when they do the improvements uh, to Evergreen Mills Road. So one of the reasons why we wanted to pull the, uh, the buffers uh, further away from that roadway too, so they don't get removed when uh, schools actually does the install on the improvements to the roadway. Understand, okay. And then, you know, just following up on my comment about the trails, yeah. so it's like an awful lot of, like, a lot of trails in that, I mean, okay. what, what, what was the reason for, I mean, I, I get the big main one along on the right-hand side and, you know, mm -hmm. crossing over and, and connecting, but then all those little squiggles that are in there, you know, within the floodplain. Yeah, I think that just for clarity purposes, the, a lot of those squiggles and wiggles that you might be looking at that are, that are darker in color, those just represent the floodplain and the, and the risk guard boundary. Those are not trails. The trail is the yellow, kind of runs east-west that connects the 
Western Land Bay to the Eastern Land Bay, and then there is a, another trail that runs north-south, which connects Ryan Road to Evergreen Mills Road. So there's really a, a system of two trails, if you will, through there. Yeah, maybe I, then maybe I was looking at yeah, correctly. Yeah, there's a lot of lines, I, I agree. I saw the purple and, purple and light purple, they all looked like they were trails. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Commissioner Miller. Is, thank you. Is uh oh. Oh no. That. What are you trying to do? That yes. right there. Mm -hmm. that's, that's an interparcel connection. That's interparcel connectivity to the Brambleton community. Okay, so that's, those sections will be able to connect. Yes, okay. absolutely. Great. Thank you. Vice Chair Combs. Thank you. Actually, perhaps a question for staff and/or the applicant. Um, just in terms of guidance on the transition small lot neighborhood place type. Maybe J J and Josh, maybe you remember. Is that the same place type that we considered at Fleetwood South? Yes. And is that the only other transition small lot neighborhood we've looked at? Yeah. I think that that is, right? Because Clear Spring or Clear Spring Willow? No. Clear Spring, they, they had a, a part of the transition small lot okay. to the south of They're Shrew compact. Mill, but not. They're compact. Yeah, the right? compact. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Did, that answer your question. I'm sorry, I didn't, Lori, I didn't, I didn't catch your clarification. Oh, Marshawn asked me if Village at Clear Springs had any transition small lot neighborhood, and only um, south of Shreve Mill Road, where they're putting the park. That was the only small lot. The rest of it is is transition compact. Okay. For so really, for village. all intents purposes, the um, the only other instance we've seen is. What, wasn't Desai, was Desai residential? That yes. was transition, was that transition small lot or tra transition compact? I think it was transition compact as well. I don't okay. think it was transition okay. small lot. Yeah, we haven't had too many yeah. residential rezonings in the transition policy area since the comp plan was adopted. Yeah. Okay, and then at Fleetwood South, we had a significant number of ADUs there. I remember that being yes. an, an attractive, um, uh, piece of that, that mm -hmm. project and so since since then we've learned that we could perhaps get LIHTC mm -hmm. as yep. an alternative to the ADU right mm -hmm. yeah um, and and early on and I don't know if this is helpful Commissioner Combs early on with Fleetwood South um, we were looking as well at doing um, affordable attached but that was a plan buster the small lot neighborhood only allows single family detached and early conversations with the community planning where we really can't support that because that's not a product type that we can support it. And so that's how we got to the point with Fleetwood South of making them all ADUs that were dispersed. Um, this is, again, just so innovative because our partner was able to figure this out. Yeah, okay. Um, the whole reason I'm asking is I'm, I'm struggling a little bit to reconcile what I read in the comp plan about the place type and what it's calling for. And I see clustering, these to me look like we're clustering, which is what the, the comp plan is calling for, but at the same time, we don't want it to look suburban. I don't, I'm not quite sure what we're really striving for there. And Josh, sorry to have had you yeah, sure. sit down, but maybe you can help us because I'm a little foggy on what we did at Fleetwood South, but I'm just a little um, unclear on how best to interpret that place type. Well, so on the, on the clustering concept, and I, I'll probably have to speak about it more in the abstract because I don't, I don't have the past examples in mind, but what the comprehensive plan is looking for as I read it is that there is a 50% open space um, provision 
and with an emphasis on that kind of green uh, periphery screening and buffering that Commissioner Merrithew was talking about. And the idea there is that, yes, you have open space that's usable throughout the site, but then also extensive screening and buffering along uh, the perimeter. And I think on this particular site, one of the things that stands out is how incredibly large the floodplain is. And they've protected the floodplain, as they should. Um, but in so doing, basically all of the open space that you would expect to pull out of the site gets pushed to the very middle. And so what's left on the, on the outsides is, is actually very minimal uh, buffering. And so you actually have kind of two separate, two separate sides of a development that takes on almost the exact same um, kind of design fabric as, as you would see um, in a much higher density um, kind of area. Okay. And I, I, we did not provide this information to staff earlier, but as we saw the staff report, we did look back at the at how many acres of open space are along Evergreen Mills Road and Ryan Road. So in staff's defense, we didn't provide this until we, we didn't calculate until we saw the staff report. We have nine acres of open space that runs along Evergreen Mills Road and Ryan Road. We have not taken all of the floodplain. We've just kind of taken the line straight through the floodplain. We are counting some of the floodplain. Um, but it's nine acres of a of an eighty acre site, so let's call it call it roughly, you know, twelve percent of the site is is in those perimeter areas. And then Colleen, with the you had a visual up earlier, mm -hmm. the the bramble we'll call it the Brambleton buffering and landscaping. Yep. Is that that's intended to be along Evergreen and Ryan Mills? Yes. Oh, yes. Sorry, Evergreen Mills and Ryan Road. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So there are two images in the PowerPoint if if you wanted to go to them. Um, slides nine and ten that show you um, that show you the view from Ryan Road and Evergreen Mills Road. View from Evergreen. That's the view from Evergreen Mills Road. Thank you, Lori. Okay. Um, and so, again, you get a sense for how how wide it is. One other thing that I, I failed to mention that Dave just just reminded me of is, is that we are also enhancing the buffers along Evergreen Mills Road and Ryan Road. We're adding an additional 50 plant units per hundred linear feet on both those facades. And so, if you also go to the next slide, Lori, will be the view from Ryan Road. So, so again, um, you know, we it is not it is not an insignificant amount of, of open space setback. We we know it's not treed, uh, but we are enhancing the landscaping. Okay, thank you. I think I'm well over my time. I appreciate the indulgence. No, thank that's you. all right. But before we leave that topic, though, I have a question for Josh. Um, is there in that cluster development model? Do we have a standard desired setback or perimeter that we're looking for, or is it just kind of a, a feel and perspective to the size of the overall site? And yeah, you know, the, the guidance is very conceptual. It says building setback is expected to be medium to deep, which doesn't. <laughs> really uh, specific and well-defined is what you're telling me. Okay, true, great. but if, if, I, if I could just 
maybe put that together with also the transition guidance, which is at the end where it says transition small lot neighborhoods should be surrounded by natural buffers that visually screen them from view of surrounding roads and from other developments. Okay. All right. Uh, I, I, we joke, but I do appreciate that clarification. That is helpful. Um, Mr. Barnes. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. I have a, Lori, that the information we just saw, uh, do you have that information? Uh, was that passed on to you? No, I don't. The, what Colleen just talked about, the nine acres. We literally calculated we, it. Yeah, we did. Yeah, so we <laughs> have to go to a work session to find that you can go over it and see what you thought, because I always like to have a input by the staff, see what their thought process is, then rather than we doing their job, uh, staff's job, and making the decision on our own, I like to have their help on it. And uh, I think it's appropriate to send it to work session. Thank you. Okay. Not that I know of. Okay. I was willing to wait. Okay. You got something else? Can you uh, explain the capital facilities proper situation? I'm a little bit confused about whether it's going towards road construction, whether it meets our guidelines. Um, doesn't appear to meet the guidelines, and I'm just curious, what is this current situation? So currently they're proposing that the money that they would put towards capital facilities goes towards the building of Ryan Road. 100%. Under, yes. Mm -hmm. What DTCI was saying, that the regional road contributions would be appropriately credited to the road, to Ryan Road. But it's, they are still asking not to pay a capital facilities contribution that the board accept the road in lieu of that, that, uh, that cash contribution, that contribution per unit for capital facilities. Correct. All right. Thank you. Regional roads are what portion of that 16 plus million? Um, I'm sure Colleen has it. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, that is, uh, that's slide 24. <clears throat> oh, there we go. Um, and so as, as we're pulling the slide up, I mean, our understanding is you can't use cap facilities credit for non-CIP projects, but using capital facilities for CIP projects is appropriate. Um, and so my understanding of the concern is that we're asking for the, the $268,000 of transit as well, just knowing that it's, every dollar is gonna count for yeah. us. I think so, the, I think what, and Marshant, correct me if I'm wrong, I think what you're saying is road and transit is appropriate, it's the cap facilities correct. under question. Correct, cap facilities for okay. capital. So we're good with the roughly yeah. $2 million that's yeah. in that formula, the 6,000, 1,000. I, I would disagree that the CIP projects being roads, it's typically done for public facilities such as schools, firehouses, library sites, that's typically what we've accepted in lieu of a cash contribution. This would be something different. And the board is not, you've, you've considered several projects where it becomes a value judgment. We need capital facilities, we need roads. Uh, if they can do it cheaper for a road, we absorb as a county the, um, the capital facilities co you know, cost of each unit, but the cost savings can be applied to the board absorbing those units. So, right. but we don't have a policy right now. It's obviously that's something that's working its way through the, uh, the process right now. But they don't, and just to clarify, DTCI doesn't support it for transit, the credit for transit, just okay. for the, the regional road. Yeah. So. Okay. I have a question about the, the lot width mm -hmm. proffers. Yep. You're asking for, or you're proposing narrower lots, but then you're asking for modifications to lot coverage. So 
what are we getting in terms of smaller, more affordable market units? Yeah. So we have also size limited. It hasn't come up in any of the conversations, but we have also size limited the units as well. Um, and um, if you want to pull up slide 30, um, Lori, I'm so sorry. I'm making you drive all over hither and yon in this PowerPoint. Um, so uh, the units that are um, that are boxed on the left in blue, or the bright blue ones, and, and I'm realizing it's not coming up in great um, great uh, light in this in the boardroom here. But the ones that are bright blue, those are our products, and so and those are the square footage of those homes. What we've done is we've stacked them against. Um, other communities and other home sizes in the immediate vicinity. And so you can see on the left, it includes everything from single family detached homes at Brambleton, Evergreen Preserve, Heartland, Heartland, uh, Parkside, which is actually Fleetwood South that you approved. You get a sense these are, yes, I understand that we're asking for setback modifications and, and lot with modifications. But these are also small homes, and we've proffered limits on all of all of the sizes of the homes to make sure that they are comparatively smaller and therefore more affordable than what can be than what can currently be acquired in this area. The ones that are below it in the pink, just for your benefit, Commissioner Merrithew, those are all townhome products. So you can see that our single-family detached homes are, in many, in some instances, smaller than. Than proximate townhomes. We think that this obviously achieves a lot of the objectives of, of the unmet housing strategic needs plan. The, the, the blue is about 500 square feet smaller. The left side of blue is 500 square feet smaller than the right side of the blue on each box. Mm -hmm. What are the right side numbers? Where are they coming from? Do you want, do you want, do you want to speak to that? Yeah, the right side represents the, our maximum square footage that we've um, proffered as a commitment in the proffers. I'm, I'm sorry, say that one more time. It's a maximum square footage of That's each of those product types that we've proffered to. Yep. And so it can range if, you know, we have smaller footprints. So on really there's potentially no reduction in floor area because your range is at the conventional side, right? Your maximum's the conventional side. With, yeah, with all due respect, those single family detached homes are significantly smaller than what's available in the area. And I will share with you, um, on the on the 50 foot wide lots, this is in the proffers. Um, this is three three D, um, 50 foot wide. So those those single family uh, front load homes, um, those a maximum unit size of 3,300 square feet. Uh, for the 41 foot wide units, which are rear load, that's the larger of the two rear load units. That's 2,900 square feet. The 33 foot wide. Um, Rear load units are a maximum of 2,750 square feet, um, and those are and those are our cottage lots. And then, excuse me, no, those are not our cottage lots. Those are the other rear loads. And then our cottage lots, which are 35 foot wide lots, the maximum unit size is 2,500 square feet. Yep. Is that above grade or total? Uh, above grade. Above grade. Yeah. Really? Okay. That's bigger than. Five houses on five acre lots. But as you can see in the in the area, the homes in that area are are significantly significantly larger. I'll save it for a comment. That's okay. So just to clarify on this, help me, Colleen. So the cottage units could be potentially a LIHTC project. Absent of that, we're meeting the ordinance with 
That's okay. So we're yes. they're offering what the ordinance requires. Did you get a density bonus for that? Or our units are we're less than four dollars okay. the acre. So um, so yes, we still one of the questions we brought to the commission was unmet housing needs units above that amount, which is right now in lieu of doing that, they're doing the potential LIHTC option, but it's not proffered. Chair Frank, I have some other comments if that's okay. I was going Please. to public speak. It looks so, like we're at a pause. Go okay. ahead. So one of the challenges about doing the zoning ordinance comparison is the opposite analysis. We've not done what is more permissive or less permissive. There might be part of the ordinance that's less permissive than what they're proposing. So yeah. for us to really give an accurate picture, we'd have to audit the entire project to really see the benefits and maybe the costs. So how difficult is that? <laughs> well, the, not tonight, but um, and then right. also they have right. the option of the new ordinance to go but to the, the PD side, district. Right. So. I think uh, the analysis that we saw was on yeah. the modifications requested. I think what you're saying is that, okay, yes, but if you apply the new or zoning ordinance, there are other things that may not be seen as more restrictive more than what they're being allowed to do. Yeah. Yes, so yeah. that's sort of the totality we'd have to do to be able to right. paint that picture. And then right. No, you don't have to cherry pick which zoning ordinance yeah. you use for what. Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't make your argument. Way. It's, I understand why it's done, yes. but that's the, the challenge that we have. And then the other part of it too, they can go to a PD district, PD district now, but obviously no one wants to slow down and start from scratch. Right, So. right, no, I understand that. <laughs> okay, and thank you. Any other questions for staff or the applicant at this time? Okay, well we will go ahead and open the public hearing on this item. Thank you again, Josh. Um, I do not have anyone, it looks like, signed up we, we lost our remote speaker, correct? Okay. Um, I do not have anyone signed up to speak in person. Is there anybody in the room who would like to speak on this agenda item? Seeing none. Uh, do we have anyone joining us remotely? We have no one online at this time. Okay. Last call. We will close the public hearing on this item. Uh, no, nothing for you to clarify. So, uh, do we have a motion on the item? Commissioner Vance? Yes, you're nice. I do. I'm, I move that the Planning Commission forward Legi 2023-0034, Arcola Farms Residential, ZMAP 2022-0006, ZMOD 2022-0029. ZMOD 2022-0030, ZMOD 2022-0031, ZMOD 2023-0021, and ZMOD 2023-0022 to a Planning Commission work session for further discussion. I'll second. All right, the motion is made by Commissioner Vance, seconded by Commissioner Frank. Do you have an opening? Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of a lot of things to like about this idea and the innovative uh, with the ADUs and that potential is really great. Um, I think zoning ordinance rewrite, sure. I think it needs, we need to take a look and see, see how things match up. Um, but I think it takes a little, little bit of work and uh, you know, hopefully we can come up with something that'll, that'll, that'll work. Any other comments or questions from the commission? Mr. Miller, I'm, I, I, I'm all for 
um, making things better. Um, although I'm not sure what a work session gets us here. Um, I could certainly see if, if if applicants come to us when they start the process and we have some suggestions or ideas of things they could work in, but this has been a year in the making and it comes to us and it does have unique things to it. Um, the LITEC, detached LITEC, um, it is, I will disagree with Commissioner Merithew in that I think the, the range of housing overall is, gives us an average size of that's smaller than other things that are in the area. Um, I don't think that every house in a range of 24 to 2,900 square feet will be 2,900. I think pricing will cause, the, the builders will offer three house types in that, three floor plans in that range, and some will buy the bigger, some will buy the smaller. Um, they're unique looking houses. They're tall and skinny um, detached. There's the cottage stuff. I think it, it is it is unique in that regard. It gets us a lot of what we're looking for. And I think that the buffering on Evergreen Mills and Ryan to what, what you have said and what I've said about um, the uh, about the school site, I mean, we start pushing buffers in 25 and 30 feet when across the street there's 100 foot buffers. What what are we getting at? Unless that's, we just want to block people from seeing houses, which means we just don't want to build houses. Um, so that's a conflict in the in the plan, in the, in the thought process. So I, I don't have a problem if it went to work session. I just don't know what we would be solving by doing it other than saying, hey, go look at something for um, six weeks and then come back to us with, uh, did you change anything, yes or no? And I just don't know that we're gonna get anything substantially different out of this that would warrant us um, studying it again. Just my thoughts. Commissioner Barnes. Yes, ma'am. Uh, I think the, the staff is requesting that, that we'll give them some time to go over the material they have gotten tonight. They haven't seen this before. And so we have to give them that chance to go over it. And when they come back to it, the project looks good, you know, but there's nothing about it. But uh, I think we ought to give them that much courtesy to have them chance to go over it. You know, that's what they were looking for. Thank you. Okay. Commissioner Marathio. I would just say, I think we need to go to work session and hope the applicant comes forward with a realistic capital facilities proffer package and a realistic affordable housing package that better meets our goals of 20% affordable as opposed to 12.5%. And I think there can be some redesign that um, improves or gets us closer to the transition policy area. And uh, to Commissioner Kirchner's uh, comments, a linear landscaping plan of the same tree for 500 or 600 feet in a line with shrubs underneath it is not a transition uh, natural buffer, if you will. There needs to be some creative design on how that, even if it stays at 75 feet, how to make that more of a natural buffer design concept. And I think the, to me, the, the small lot, but modify the lot coverage and the lot sizes is not giving us anything uh, in terms of market uh, market affordability, although I don't know that we would ever get it, no matter what size the house is. But <laughs> nonetheless, um, I would like to see a better attempt at that as well. Thank you. Thank you. Any other comments or questions? Marchant, you look like you had a clarification. Of so just wanted to get some feedback. So one, obviously the, the key land use 
trying to think of a good word to say it. Are you Couching the for, issue before you is. Are you looking for direction going into the work session? Correct. Is there? Let me go then first. Okay. Because <laughs> go I'm going to add to your list. Okay. Sorry, I keep preempting. <laughs> that's you. okay. That's okay. I'll I'll come Great back minds. when I'm done. Are you, do you Vice Chair Combs? Did you have anything? Okay. All right. Um, I, I'm going to support the motion um, for some things I've shared with the applicant when we discussed this last week, and then a, a couple new things as I've had a little chance to review the staff report and the application. Um, you know, I was I kept going back to them saying you've got four parcels that are not part of this, and you are two of those parcels have some of the shortest distances between the property line and the new property, and it just doesn't feel like an adequate buffer. Really, what that comes back to is I think community planning and the cluster thing, and we're not pulling things into the middle; we're pushing them out to the edges, and realizing this is not a box, so we have a lot of edges here. Um, particularly when you have three parcels on Evergreen and one on Ryan that are not participating in this assemblage. Um, I just think that's a compatibility issue that perhaps a more cluster type approach would help solve. Um, there is a projected $20 million capital cost impact just to schools. We have a middle school that is well over capacity now. A new middle school will open next year, but then in 28-29 we are still at 95% capacity. And that's after the new middle school opens on the Red Hill site. So there's concerns that, you know, if we give up to Mr. Matthews' point, um, cap facilities contributions, the school's still on the hook for building $20 million worth of impact, not to mention, you know, other cap facilities issues. So I just, I'm, I think it's something we need to look at as we move forward. Um, I would, I know it's, I know it's, picking and choosing winners, losers, apples, and oranges, I guess, but the setback modifications that are requested compared to the new zoning ordinance, it just, I think it helps us to, I, I'd like a check on that to make sure that, that that really does look like what we're seeing from the applicant, because I think it, it helps us align it with the spirit of where we were all trying to go with this place type and product that didn't really exist before. Um, also, if we're not proffering to the light tech, what guarantee do we have for this cottage product, or do we have an alternative affordable unit that's guaranteed what it would I don't if it's not proffered to I'm not sure where we stand with that so again Mr. Matthews comment about he'd like to see more I'd like to see more detail on what we're getting to so that's all Vice Chair Combs um, I would I, 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 I would encourage us to look at Fleetwood South I've just pulled up the concept plan and on the land use piece I mean we've got floodplain going right through the middle of it we've in my mind although the the streets are a little more curved it's it's looking uncannily similar in that it's somewhat in the eye of the beholder I, I i understand but i'm not sure that there's a whole lot of reshuffling we need to do with this concept plan um i understand that the the things that folks want to see i'm just I'm not sure what more to do and how to do it differently. Um, I had asked you all when we connected, um, can we look at the parking in front of the cottages, just maybe landscape them a bit more. I mean, to me, it's in my mind, those are sorts of the sort of issues I, I think maybe we can look at. But um, these fundamental ones with the, the land use, um, I would again encourage, look at the Fleetwood South, um, see perhaps how lessons might be drawn from that, but I, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to, um, at least in sort of my small mind, to see differences that would really be appreciable. Um, in terms of the cap facilities and, and the credit, 
Um, I know we've done this with, um, with Waxpool Crossing where we got a roundabout in exchange for all the proffers. Um, it was a transportation improvement that I know the, the board was really excited about. I think we as a planning commission were very excited about. And that precedent, um, I think, um, is a good precedent in that if, if industry can do something better and faster and less expensive, that really does inure to our benefit as a county. Um, so I would be supportive of that. Um, I'm okay with the work session, um, although I, I, I think perhaps with just some lighter touches. Um, thank you. Madam Chair? Yes. Sir. I still have so now, you, now, now I can make my opening. So this being sort of at the, the, the west side being at two fronts, being at two major roadways, mm -hmm. and having the division by the floodplain, and, you have the more rectilinear style on the right. You have the more curvilinear on the left. Is there any interest in treating the two sides differently, perhaps less dense on that focal point that is your, your western tip, so to speak, versus the, the units that are on the, on the uh, east side, like I'm terming it? Commissioner Marathia. I just want to say that it gets to something that's in my mind, and that staff has to come back to this work session mm -hmm. with some concrete suggestions and hopefully work with the applicant before the work session to define what seems now to be something that we'll know it when we see it <laughs> and not something that we can aim for. So to your point, yes, if that's what planning staff says better gets us to that, that design difference. Is that, is that what you're getting I think at? we're willing to look at a compromise if you treat the two differently based on their location and, and if there's an appetite for that, that's something we can we can work on with the applicant. Commissioner Kirshner. I'll, I'll just add that, which side, we're, we're talking about the west side, which up here is one of the, the left? The left, left and the right, east and west. Because when I'm looking at the, at the right side, the more rectilinear, that's the one that gives me a pause that I don't feel like that, that looks very ultra suburban to me. Uh, and we were talking about the clustering and trying to um, accomplish a more of a transition look. So, I, I mean, I might be going against the... No, I think, Commissioner Kirshner, well, the idea was that's, that's the side that abuts existing Brambleton. Yeah. And that would be maybe that more aligns with that development pattern and maybe you treat the west side differently. Again, I mean, just throwing out... Yeah, but even... Yeah. I'll just... My, my comment on that is that even that... that Brambleton is not so rectilinear. I think those are curved streets and a little more closer. Over here is a little more curvilinear, you're right. Yeah, and to me, the, the rectilinear just looks like suburban-urban, uh, and we're looking at a transition area. So, and um, anyway, I'll just, add, just throw that in as my two cents. Yeah. Commissioner Miller. Um, I had a John and Marchant, their questions, and there's something I wanted to ask, and I didn't. You're doing it like this, so I'm a little I, no, concerned. I didn't get it in. <laughs> oh, I, I think it was. Are we? Are you? Are you suggesting considering the two halves as essentially separate applications? I, I'm asking. Would the app would? I'm trying to get feedback from the commission to come back if there's interest in, in revisiting the layout or treating the two, try to compromising between the two, do more of a cluster sort of site on the west. Um, just throw in some suggestions out there if there's interest in doing that to try to address it. More of a cluster on the west side? So more? Maybe fewer lots, larger lots transitioning to the west, more of a cluster, bring it into the, into the interior of the development, 
and then keeping the, the east side. To be clear, when we're talking about clustering here, we're talking about around a green, clustering around a green space, not like cluster zoning in Western Loudoun where we just bring everything together and have big lots in the back. There's two different types of clusters. Understood. So here we're talking about clustering by, by meeting the intent of the plan. Correct. Putting more houses or maybe fewer houses and bigger lots around, around green space parks. More of that, you have to, by doing that, you'd have to have fewer lots, which would be even more than under, more, further under four units to the acre, which is what the plan. Obviously, you're not in support of that concept. So. No, I'm, just, I'm trying to understand what the question well, is. So something you and I also talked about, too, is that when Brambleton, working, going back to the Brambleton legacy cases, too, with the amount of infrastructure that's put into the schools that are there, there's some thought about clustering higher densities close to those schools and not having to go as farther out. That, I think, was not, when the new plan was brought, that, that concept wasn't brought forward. Um, and so now it's trying to reconcile the aspiration of the plan. I know people say, what does staff want? We're, we're laying forward what the anticipated, if it's, if it's able to meet it fully in this context, great. If there's other opportunities to amend the layouts, east versus west, welcome to work, happy to work with the applicant to, to do that. I was just trying to get a sense that is there an appetite for redesigning it or simply coming back with more detail about the cottages and the, and the affordable units and the transportation costs and the Z mods. I just find it hard to tell an applicant to go and redesign everything. If we so chose to I mean, reject it. Yeah, we've noted these land use issues since they submitted. So, um, in our disagreement over the, uh, the layout of the, of the right. site. So it doesn't get to us until a year later. I'm gonna go ahead and let the I'm applicant yeah. engage. Okay. okay. Real quick. Uh, brief, I please. Yeah, I will be very brief. I, I wanna set some expectations. And obviously, when typically an applicant Maybe it's exactly this team is in front of you and we go, this is the plan we're going to do. And then when you say, reduce it by 20 units, reduce it by 10 units, whatever it is, I go, great, my cap facility scales. Mm -hmm. Reducing the density here, I'm not saying that we can't get creative maybe with some lot layouts and things like that. This is an all single family detached project. So sometimes we go, oh, I'm gonna reduce density, I'm gonna get rid of some of my bigger land uses of single family detached and I replace them with townhomes and I figure something different out. It's an all single family detached plan and additionally, we are making a sizable commitment to to construct that road. So every unit that we lose, that gap between what we have to come out of pocket with above and beyond our cap facilities grows. And so I just wanna set some expectations that that we are working on a design question here, but we are we cannot ignore the, 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 the commitments that we've already agreed to do and, and, and to just go, well, we're only gonna do 80% of the road because we cut our density back to 80%. And for whatever it's worth, we're at 52.5% open space on this plan. Mm -hmm. So we are significant. This is not a, this is not a, a plan that, that is, is under open space. So I just wanted to point some of, some of that out. We've, we've put what we think are the really important things in here, road improvements, open space, all single-family detached, uh, single-family detached rental, LIHTC products. This is all baked into this. I'm not saying that we won't think about some of these things, but I do want to set some expectations that we can't come back and, and drop 10% of our density because you're going to have a very different proffer package at that point. And, 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 and that, that is not the commitment that we've made to some of the supervisors as well. Just a suggestion. Okay. <laughs> this is a legislative application. So I 
feel bad for the applicant if they've committed so much to this application at this stage when it is still up in the air. I mean, that's just, you know, no matter what commitments you made to other people. Yeah. Marshawn, I'm gonna add one more thing to my wish list sure. for the work session. Go ahead. It would be really helpful to see, and I, I think the applicant may have this in some form, I'm not sure if it's quite what I'm looking for, but um, it'd be helpful to see a visual of the that edge of Brambleton that exists, the sure. edge that is kind of, I'll say, south of them, mm -hmm. um, that hasn't been built out yet, but is all planned out. It'd yes. be nice to see what that looks like, because you asked about the east versus the west side mm -hmm. of the, the floodplain, and you know, how that compares to what's next to it is really what we're talking about in some ways. Sure, yeah, so. that was in the graphic that she had showed earlier, but we can have that again for yeah. the work yeah. session. And then the only other comment about open space too is we're not arguing that the, 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 the numbers work, it's how that, that open space is oriented on the site right. that we're asking the commission right. to weigh in on. Right. So, okay, we'll get that for they're you. They're using space they can't build on for their open space anyway. So, gotcha. I mean, which is what everyone does. That's yep. fine, but you know, it's, that's why they're, everybody's feeling pushed from the inside and the outside, Correct. because that's how you got there. All right, um, Mr. Barnes. A quick one. Uh, uh, why don't uh, we let the staff and the applicant work it out? That's the whole idea about going to the board. <coughs> and they know what the concerns we have, and they're working with the, plan, uh, with the applicant and see what you all come back with it. I'm gonna flame and the shot. That's what I like to see. <laughs> okay. All right, we do have a motion on the floor. I had to ask Sol Vice Chair Combs to be Thank reminded you. where we were in this process because Marshant, you sidetracked us. No, it, it was all good, all good and necessary discussion. I, I appreciate the opportunity to have it now. So we do have a motion on the table. Do you have a closing? No, no closing. All right, all those in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? The motion carries 801. That is our final legislative action of 2023, but don't anybody get up and jump up just yet. Madam Chair, third Except time's a charm. Yeah. Pardon? Third time's a charm. So I have some sad news. Uh, Lori has um, gone to the dark side. <laughs> that is the Department of Transportation and Capital Infrastructure. Uh, Lou has gotten another one of our staff, and we're happy for it. Lori's been a great project manager. She'll be glad we're keeping her in the county. But uh, her last day with us, I think January 6th. January 4. All right. So, but um, we'll still her wish her a happy new year. Um, the dark and, side. And hopefully you'll turn up and join us at another meeting in your <laughs> yeah. I say that facetiously. Yeah. Usually Marie, it's, yeah. Marie, just so you know, Marshawn's the one that said dark side. Yeah, yeah no kidding. <laughs> She's going to be part of Team Fam. None of us. Everybody I like, has, I like Marie. Everybody right. ha have a Merry Christmas. Thank you. All right. And, and for what it's worth, for what it's worth, this meeting, the last meeting four years ago, ended at two o'clock in the morning. Oh my gosh. It was, okay. Was it? All right. Oh. Okay. All right. We do have- We still have uh, time to go, just in case you we want. We do have- Don't, try, don't try to beat I that record. I wanted to get this out of my nine. Um, we do have administrative items on the agenda. Uh, Jackie, do you have anything? I don't have anything. I would just like to say, oh. it's been my pleasure to serve as the Planning Commission staff liaison for this last year. We had some great times, long <laughs> nights, some weekends. <laughs> I just wanted to thank the Planning Commission personally for all of the hard work that you put in with the ZOR staff, really appreciated it. Thank you to the two uses, no, the two subcommittees that the commission put together. Um, but just again, on behalf of DPZ and the entire county, thank you. This planning commission did so much work with the zoning ordinance and it wouldn't be where it is approved 
without mm -hmm. the Planning Commission. So I want to remind the Commission again, we have a Certificate of Appreciation that will be presented by the Board tomorrow night. I know that some people can't make it, but again, from myself and the Department and the County, thank you for every, everything that the Commission has done for the last four years. Happy holidays. Thank you. Don't, don't jump up yet. So hopefully I'll see most of you tomorrow evening. Um, I know not everybody up here plans to return for another four-year term on the Planning Commission. Um, and who knew we would start with a worldwide pandemic and end with a new zoning ordinance. Um, but thank you to the exceptional work from county staff. We made it through 108 meetings, 238 legislative applications, nine CPAMs, and one zoning ordinance. So if you feel like you did a lot, you did. Um, so as we wrap up our, of the year and our, our term, all of us, um, I'd like to say just what a pleasure it's been to serve with you all and an honor it has been to have your trust and support as chair this year. So thank you. And uh, I, if, if anybody really wants to say anything, now's your chance. But otherwise, we'll, uh, Mr. Barnes. I think the chair had done a beautiful job. Oh, wonderful well, job. I wasn't fishing for a compliment, but thank no, you. No. <laughs> Mr. No, Miller. You, have done you, just, you just made me realize when you said that we started with a um, pandemic and ended with a zoning ordinance, <laughs> the pandemic was finished faster than the zoning ordinance. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure there's debate about that too, but we're not going to engage in that tonight. It is. <laughs> Mr. Merthew. I just want to say I appreciate working with everybody. I've enjoyed it. Uh, what you take away from the job is the, peop the, the memory of working with people and the, ben uh, the joy of working with those people, and that's what I'm taking away from this one. It's been a great experience, and I appreciate all the support and uh, help that I got along the way. Ms. Kirchner. Yeah, I just want to say um, really some terrific leadership, so thank you, both oh. leaders, really. I think that some really fantastic work has been done, and I will echo what... Um, Commissioner Merrithew saying that it's, it's been it's really a great opportunity and an honor and you know working with everybody the staff and everything and and I appreciate personally um, everybody's uh, patience and openness to some of the issues that I brought up that I, I know were very different and might have been controversial regarding environmental aspects and some community aspects and uh, it's been very rewarding for me to work with all of you so thanks so much and happy holidays. Yeah. All right, thank you everybody for your service. I hope to see most of you tomorrow night um, at the board meeting briefly. Mr. Miller? Can we do a photo? Oh, okay, Those so before here? everybody runs out of the building, we'll take a quick picture. Um, but for the sake of uh, procedure, this meeting is adjourned.